Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast in our preseason podcast too. It's great to have you guys listening. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Mitch Brown, our expert physio. Hey, Mitch. Hey, mate. How are you? Good. Doing well for the Sunday night before school term starts, at least. The house is finally settled down. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm well, mate. I'm well. Excellent. And we also have uh, tonight, our guest uh, is Mark from the NRL Fantasy Amateurs podcast. Thanks for coming, Mark. How are you? Oh, that's all right. Yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, it's good to be on the other side of the microphone and just being able to sit back and put my feet up and just talk about players without having to run the show. So, that's right, mate. Uh, it's yeah. I'm, fortunately, you know, I'm pretty terrible at it. So you know, you can at least feel better after this one. Anyway, <laughs> uh, look, thanks for coming on. And uh, look, Mark, he runs a podcast. Do, do you want to quickly run through your podcast Facebook group? Uh, yeah, so obviously I'm from the NRL Fantasy Amateurs. I'm going to make the assumption that the large number of people that are listening know who we are. So if you're not following our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook group, <laughs> whatever whatever else, um, if you wanted to speak to somebody that actually knows what they're doing, uh, the Instagram and TikTok's the way to go because they're the two that I don't run. So, uh... <laughs> Mate, I, I, that'd be hilarious trying to run TikTok, bro. Yeah, no, that's that's Ryan. Eh? He's uh, he does a pretty good job of it. I think he's because he's in his thirties, but I think he's an undercover uh, zoomer, and he's he goes through watching Cam Murray highlights and clipping up stuff, which is uh, which is good. Except uh, I don't know what's coming on the TikTok, and I was scrolling through there the other day, and I was like, oh, that uh, that's some pretty good fantasy analysis coming through, and that bloke's got a nice voice. And then I realised it was myself talking. <laughs> uh, giving yourself one ups, mate. Excellent. Yeah. And look, uh, guys, uh, just coming back to us, we uh, we do have our uh, NRL uh, league up for the fantasy season, so uh, check out our promos. It's all on the side there uh, for the overall. We'll have our head-to-head comps coming up. Uh, guys, uh, look, let's just kick straight off for this one because there's been a bit of news this week, but we'll mostly cover it in the teams, actually, that we're going to talk about tonight. So... Let's have a real quick chat about team reviews. We're going to look at the Cowboys tonight. So let's start off with the Cowboys. They've got some quick additions. Uh, Tom Chester has signed up, I believe, from the Reggies, along with uh, Tom Duffy. They've got uh, Jack Gajewski from the Illawarra Dragons. I'll say Illawarra because uh, they were just going to become St. George, weren't they, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That's it. Uh, they got Jordan Lip, I believe, signed up from Reggies and Riley Price. Uh they got Gemmat uh, Shibasaki, uh, who's uh, was he Queensland Cup as well, Mark? Shibasaki came from the Knights last year, I think. Yeah, and then was playing for the Cutters, I think, something last year. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of feeder clubs up there. I wish I paid that much attention, but uh, I think I have a blind spot when it comes to Shibasaki. I think I just remembered he was not relevant for fantasy and blocked him out. Excellent. And then look, they got old mate James Tamo also coming up from the West Tigers. And oh, that's a locker room signing if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I think it's one year and then possibly off to a post uh, post game role somewhere up there. Yep. So excellent. And then we got a t- on the team losses side. They've got uh, Dan. Is it Dejan? 
Dejanasi. There you go. Dejanasi, who's off to the Eels. Uh, ben Condon, off to the Manly Seagulls. Tom Gilbert, who's off to the Dolphins. Conley uh, Limiolu, who's off to the Dolphins as well. And the Hammer, who's finally off to the Dolphins. So, guys, having a look at this, uh, Mitch, we'll start with you, mate. Uh, do you reckon this team is better off or worse off due to these signings? Um, I'd say about the same. I'd say about the same. I think they've kept the core of their team. Maybe they're a little bit better, but I feel like, uh, you know, they're not make-or-break style players, but it just helps with those mid-tier levels if they're, if they're copying any, any injuries. So maybe they're a little bit more stable, but I wouldn't say they're outrageously better, no. Excellent. Mark, how about you? I uh, actually have them a touch worse than last year. Uh, I think the big loss here is going to be Tom Gilbert. Obviously, as we know, Queensland State of Origin hero Tom Gilbert. <laughs> 70, 75 minutes off the bench. Uh, he was the absolute glue. Him and Ruben Cotter, the absolute glue defensively. Uh, and they're going to make a move from Gilbert to more than likely Jack Chesky out on that left edge, which is... You know, we've all seen him. So I think that's a really yeah. big one. Um, but the other the other one is uh, Hamaso was the, the first drop backline cover in all five of those positions, not to mention the halves pushing drink water up. So, I mean, in terms of the first drop injury depth, uh, we've lost a little bit there. And, I mean, we replaced them with James Tamu, who... You know, I'm not convinced is in our best 17 players. So I, 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 I've got them, yeah, sort of a touch worse than last year. Excellent. And so it sounds like Hammer's probably the worst loss. Or is it Tom Gilbert there, do you reckon? Oh, Mark? yeah, no, Tom Gilbert, 100%. Because, I mean, one guy that will speak about, Tom Chester, he's he's probably, you know, like for like-ish with Hammer, but that we haven't replaced Tom Gilbert with anything even resembling him. So, um, yeah, no, he's the biggest loss. Fair enough. Uh, and look, let's have a look into, there's only a couple of injuries here, Mitch, and no real suspensions, but take us through what they are because they're pretty big ones. Yeah, they are, but it's the same spiel as always. So Helm and Lukey and Mitch Dunn both coming off ACL injuries. Uh, probably the more interesting one is Lukey because he is slated to return rounds four and six. As I've said many times, you know, I really like the year for ACL injuries as far as coming back off them and given he's set for that round to four rounds four to six that'll mean he's sort of more around that nine month mark um as always you know I'd like to see at least three rounds and we've got to expect that he's going to be below his best for the remainder of the season uh as for Mitch Dunn he's a similar sort of thing but he did his March uh of last season so he's nearly got 12 months by the time we get to round one and just having that bit of extra time in the preseason makes me feel a bit more comfortable with him. But, Stu, it's the same thing as always. He's not going to be the, his best for the rest of the year. And I always like at least two to three games to get them up to full minutes. Fair enough. And um, just... Oh, sorry. Mark, you go ahead. Uh, just, well, I, I mean, I, I guess his injuries. Are we also covering suspension? Uh, who, who's suspended, boss? Luciano Leilua. Oh, yeah. He's, he's not even suspended. He's like, I don't know, Shadow, shadow Realm? He's, yeah, yeah, he's he's That's stood down stood down bordering jail, because uh, I mean he him and Lukey are the two, uh, the edge back rowers that that were the reason why they didn't put a big a big fight with Tom Gilbert is because we were assuming to have Lukey and Luciano and we don't have either of them. That was the so I mean once he comes back, but he's I think he's like round ten, the uh, court date is roughly. So you know he's he's the he's the other cog in this. 
Now that's that's a very interesting one because from what I heard, uh, charges are unlikely to proceed once that court date reaches. I believe that his partner has is wanting to withdraw the charges. The police can yeah, still... they they got engaged about a week after the police brought the charges, so it's very uh, Dylan Walker esque, which uh, as we all know, uh, eventuated in nothing, and and Walker was allowed to play. So I assume he's going to be back around Origin, but you know before that. We're going to be stuck with some combination of, uh, of you know, hodgepodge, which I'm sure we'll get to. That's it. Awesome. Okay, so let, let's have a quick look then through the uh, strength of schedule. So the good news about the Cowboys is that they have most of their buys late. So 15, 19, and 24, which is really good. And Nick's got here that they've got actually the easiest overall schedule. And that's because they got the second easiest overall Rounds 1 through 12, which is when we want to cash, just to be making money. They had the fourth easiest, round 13 to 20, for those non-Origin uh, players. And they got the third easiest, run home. So there's no easy or hard stretches, but uh, rounds 1 through 12 only has uh, two tough opponents, which is the Sharks in round 9 and the Roosters in round 10. And the run home, they've got the round 25 Sharks, round 26 is the Dolphins. And round 27th is probably against the Panthers' New South Wales Cup team, right? Uh, well, I, I mean, it depends on whether you think that with the three buys, they're going to be resting players as much this year because that's a, you know, ah. a question mark. Maybe, maybe for the state of origin guys, they might be rested. But, you know, you look at players uh, not playing state of origin, and they're going to have three weeks off through the year. Maybe that'll be enough and they w there won't be as many restings as there has been in previous years. Fair enough. Well, look, if they're, if they're playing the A game, like uh, first line Panthers, then it'll be a tough game. Like if minor premiership is up for either side, it could be tough. But uh, otherwise, you know, who knows about round 27. And look, they got the Broncos, Eels, Panthers, Sharks, Titans, uh, Titans, Tigers, Warriors, and Dolphins twice. So out of those, really, the only big threats are what? Panthers, maybe the Sharkies and the Eels. And, oh, maybe the Tigers. I don't know what they're like this year. No, not the Tigers. <laughs> oh, the, the new Tigers, remember? The, the new Sheenzy Tigers with the actual yeah, decent so back. they'll nearly make the eight. They'll yeah. be ninth. Fair I enough. I think I've got them in ninth, actually. Me too. Yeah, I've got them ninth. They'll Excellent. Ninth. Yeah, I've got them somewhere up around this point. And uh, the other big thing is that they've got a... They should be able to beat up on the fellow Queensland teams this year. Uh, and that Nick definitely has here. He's got all uh, Cowboys players. Could be... You've got to look at them all because of the run of the... Sh uh, how good the schedule is. You've got to be worth considering them. Okay, so let's have a look at the starting 17. So, Mark, do you want to take us through this one? Because I know that I wrote this a few weeks ago, but a few things have changed since then. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I think twelve out of thirteen, you're probably right on. So Scott Drinkwater will, will come back at fullback with Murray Talangi and Kyle Felt on the wings. Peter Hicko and Valentine Holmes in the centres with Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend in the halves. Reese Robson will be hooker. Uh, Jeremiah Nanai will remain in the back row. Tom Lolo, McLean, and Cotter will be the middles. The left edge is obviously the point of change. Uh, where uh, there's some question marks around exactly who's going to start there. At one point, I was theorizing that maybe it was going to be Ruben Cotter that would start on the edge, mm. and they would play, uh, you know, they'd start Cohen Hess in the middle, 
or Tamu or Griffin Neem, anyone else, basically. But uh, just given the leg speed and, and the, the ability to play the minutes. But it seems as though Cohen Hess is going to be the one who's going to start out on that edge. And more than likely, Gachevsky will come off the bench very similarly to how the Cowboys were running that rotation last year with Gilbert, where uh, Luciano would come onto that edge and, and Gilbert would shift to the middle. I think it's going to be the same, except it'll be Hess and Gachevsky coming on and pushing Hess to the middle. Nice. All right. And then, so on the bench, we've got some sort of combination. What, Jakey Granville likely 14 this year? Yeah, Granville will be the 14 backline hooker cover, but he's going to be more... If, if he doesn't get on and there's 10 minutes to go and the Cowboys are down, he might come on as a, a middle forward. Uh, but I don't see him sniping minutes from Reese Robson at all. And then it'll be, you know, James Tamu, Griffin Neem, and, and Gachevsky probably. Nice. Uh, until Lukey and uh, Luciano return, at which point I'd say Griffin Neem and Gachevsky will drop out of the side. Nice. All right. So, look, a few changes in there, and there's plenty of place to talk about. Uh, look, Mark, how about you kick us off, mate? Uh, Jack Gajewski, mate, you know, if his name's mentioned here as, you know, possibly 55, 60-minute role, what are we thinking? So I did a little bit of a look at Gajewski. So his career average when he plays between 45 and 65 minutes, which I assume this role is going to be, is 26.3 in 54.3 minutes. So <laughs> it's it's not great. Uh, it's it's also propped up by two games where he scored two tries and barely got over 45. So the big thing to keep in mind early in the season is the way that the price rises and, and break-evens and, and cash-making actually works. Uh, and it's not as simple as player, player hits their BE, they go up in value, player misses their BE, they go down in value. It's relative to the total amount of points scored uh, divided by anticipated points or something like that. Anyway, so long story short, early in the season, the anticipated points are all out of whack and typically players gain value more slowly uh, compared to what they should. Uh, given that we've got Lukey on a four to six week timeline and Gachevsky being the first one who drops out combined with the fact that he scored a nine in 50 minutes in his last start in the edge, I'm probably inclined to suggest that if it is Gachevsky off the bench for 55 to 60 minutes, that he's a trap and we should avoid him. Excellent. Big bus for Jack Gachevsky. Well, Mitch, I, you know, you're the Dragons fan. Would you agree? Yep. No <laughs> arguments from me. No, fair enough. Not, yeah, was... probably... But you know what? In, in fairness, he is playing. He was playing at the Dragons. So maybe mm. he'll lift. Maybe he'll lift a little. But I, I think I think Mark makes good points. I think he played for Manly as well, where they were a better team than the Dragons. I think it's uh, the 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 lack of hesitation in the agreement probably tells you everything you need to know there. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's uh, Mitch. Uh, let's just have a look here. So, uh, I guess the the one guy that I didn't hear in your assessment, Mark, Mitch Dunn. Where do you reckon he plays? Does he play at all? Uh, I think he's probably going to get some minutes in the legs in reserve grade or become, you know, the thing with Todd is he loves those guys, those ex-edge back rowers that used to be, uh, you know, playing on the edge that are now in the middle that have got good leg speed and sort of different body shapes. He was a originally last year came in as a, uh, like a ball playing middle forward, X5'8", 
Uh, I think that's probably his role. He'd be more inclined. He'd be more likely to take a Jake Granville's job than anything else. Okay, no problems at all. So look, we're talking about like less minutes, you know, bit, bit of a 30, 30 minutes sort of max type middle oh, role. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be shocked if he's in the top 17 when everybody's fit and, and available. Okay. Well, look, looking at that, Mitch, we, we can probably say, look, let's let's keep a watch on Mitch Dunn, hey? Yeah, exactly right. And as I said to you, you know, as far as my ACL rule goes, because he has nearly had the year out, um, you could almost pick him up as soon as his name. But I, I personally will be waiting at least one to two rounds. Excellent. Uh, probably three, so. Excellent. And I think we covered Halen Luke here as well, which is we want to wait a couple of rounds for him as well, don't we? Get a bit of eye testing. Yeah minimum three and just you know don't expect too much probably for the next three to four months once he's come back as i said i i don't really like them in their first year back after acls fair enough the only thing that might interest me in luke is if he does spend a few weeks doing like low minutes off the bench and he really starts to drop down in price he could be pick uh worth picking up a bit later on in that season for that cash down option but yes let's let's chuck a star on lukey all right I might uh, go into one guy that is probably worth talking about because it's a bit weird. Jason Tamalolo, formerly Mr. Mr. Middle Fantasy himself. Uh, but look, we got Jason Tamalolo. He's working less and being game managed for the big games by Todd Payton. Uh, the issues, and I've been looking into this, Tamalolo is playing less in the games where the team's ahead, which is pretty obvious. And the Cowboys have a soft draw. And so... I broke it down by uh, games where the Cowboys had a significant majority of the ball. Uh, Tamalola averages less than 40, so 39.950 minutes. So this is where the team's ahead. Like, they've got lots more possession. They're, they're winning big. In the games where it's 50-50, he actually, his average jumps to 52.7 in 63.3 minutes. They just leave him on for longer. They make him do more. So it's, And his PPM jumps up. So he you know, gets out of second gear, really charges. And games where the team is getting pumped, strangely enough, which is against the Roosters both times last year, 49.5 and 54 minutes. So again, PPM's high, interest is high. So from this, I've worked out that, look, which is pretty obvious, but I've got the stats behind it. Town has been safe for the big games. And... Like where the games on the line will play big minutes and look at the finals. He scored an average of 70 points in the two finals games last year that the Cowboys played, including 95 points against the poor Sharkies. So I don't know about you guys, but look, I've got Tamalolu as an avoid this year due to how soft the draw is and the fact that he's been game managed. Uh, the only reason I can think that this would change is if a whole bunch of guys got injured and suddenly it's being forced to play big minutes again. Mark, what are your thoughts on Jason Tamalolo? Yeah, the the days of Tamalolo playing more than about fifty five minutes a game in the regular season's gone, uh, and that's a that's the absolute maximum. There was games there where he played the first sort of twenty to twenty five minutes, went off, and then just didn't come back because they they didn't need him to. And Ruben Cotter can play eighty minutes on a broken leg if he wanted. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys there who will play extra minutes. Griffin Neem. Uh, James Tamu is perfectly capable of playing a 50-60 minute game even now uh, if it means Tomalolo doesn't have to be risk getting injured or you know waste time getting gassed you know Paul Green 
was famous for not playing guys who were young and just, you know, riding Tom Malolo for 65 to 70 minutes a game. And, and that's just not going to happen under Todd because he's, you know, he understands the, you know, it's almost like, you know, in Trent Robinson where he manages the Roosters and they don't actually kick into gear until about round 10. Mm. It's the same sort of thing here where Todd's just, you know, picked Tom Lolo out and said, mate, your limit's 50 minutes a game unless we're, you know, unless we really need to win. And then it might be 55. So he, you know, he's always been one of those guys who scores more the more minutes he plays uh, as evidenced by those two finals matches. So I'd probably just, uh, yeah, I'd lob him in the fantasy relevant category until further notice. Excellent. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll put we'll put him near the back of the bus, and he's uh, bust. But look, speaking of guys' interest, you mentioned Ruben Cotter there quite a few times. What do we think about Ruben Cotter, Mark? Yeah, well, I mean, Ruben Cotter is a guy who I was skeptical of last year, mostly because of his lack of attacking stats. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, even. Well, I did a bit of a look at him. So in 2019, he came into the league, only had 0.8 attacking stats per game. I mean, albeit in, <laughs> in limited minutes playing hooker for 20 minutes a game type thing. He was suffering with injuries. He had ACLs and Achilles injuries. And one of the most unlucky with injury blokes you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but he actually had a really high base. So base of almost one PPM. That's not total scoring. That's just the base. Uh, and then in 2020, it rose to 1.1 points per minute. That was just in base, uh, but still attacking stats, only 1.5 attacking stats per game. So 1920, bit skeptical. 2021, massive increase in minutes, uh, held the base at 0.92 uh, and got the attack up to a whopping 4.3 points per game in attack. Uh, in 40 minutes. So still not great. Uh, but then last year, he just sort of come out of the blocks Average 57 minutes, got the base up to 0.86. But, um, yeah, a lot more attack. Even still, though, only, look, I think he got two tries for the year or something like that, which mm. is funny considering he's a, you know he's in the Cameron Murray mould. Uh, but interestingly, I had a bit of a look at him, and he averaged 55.7 up until Origin 1, and then 46 following on from Origin 1. And he had that hammy, didn't he? Yeah, so he did the hamstring in the warm-up after he played 80 minutes in Origin, hmm. which, you know, when you play 80 minutes in Origin and then try to back up three days later as a middle <laughs> forward, you know, uh, Mitch, I, I know as a physio you'll be shocked to hear this, but uh, players who have an extremely high load uh, tend to get injured more often. Are you are you familiar with this? Very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly when they've had previous injuries. Yeah, a thousand injuries. Yeah, so... Um, uh, it, I mean, the the outlook for Ruben Cotter looks probably very similar to what uh, what it did in 2022, being 55 to 60 minutes a game with upside to just play the full 80 because, you know, he would do that and come off not even sweaty at the end. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, he probably holds his price, but, I mean, upside is, you know, high 50s, low 60s in 60 to 65 minutes if he develops his attacking game a bit more. Interesting. Okay, so look, we definitely have a guy we want to look at in Ruben Cotter. So at uh, 7.45 from memory? 7.44. 7.44, excellent. So, yep, definitely want to look at him. Uh, and another guy who's very similar price, mate, Reese Robson. I know he's been on my list for... 
don't know, pr probably since maybe my second revision when I uh, gave old mate Mr. Uh, I, I don't know what he's on, Mr. Juice down there at Parramatta Eels the flick. <laughs> he reckons it's photoshopped. Josh Hodgson, you have to be. Mitch, when you saw that George Hodgson photo, what the hell was happening there, man? I haven't seen the Josh Hodgson photo. Have you not seen the Josh? Oh, okay, I'll go pull it up. But mate, up. before we get, before oh, we get, is a... this with the biceps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one where why looks would like I care he's... about Josh Hodgson's biceps? All these injuries are in his lower body. That's true. It's like yeah. whatever, man. You can't play rugby league if you can't run. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. That's true. Look, I'm not getting hyped over a man with big guns. It's like whoopie do. Show me a running game. Fair enough. I'll, I'll have to get some photos of that too. Though uh, I, I think there'll be plenty plenty of eyes on those guns. See where they were shopped or not. I've got the photo in front of me. We should just put some stick legs underneath. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, like you... they took uh, Ryan Madison's arms and put it on Josh Hodgson's body. It's impressive. And look, I'd be very happy to have arms like that. But, you know. <laughs> it's cool. probably because he couldn't work out for so long. He's probably just been in the weight room, right? Oh. Benching 5,000. Without a doubt, but it make, sometimes seeing that sort of thing makes me nervous because it's, you know, the way we train muscles is the, the way they work. And typically when you lift weights, it's heavy, slow load. And there's there's nothing slow about Volandi's ball. So anyway, we'll see. Excellent. But look, let's let's get back to Reese Robson. Mark, uh, take us through where you see him going. Yeah, well, I mean, so in the first five rounds of 2022, Todd Payton was, you know, using a hooker rotation of Robson and Granville before he realized that Reese Robson has absolutely no problem playing 80 minutes every single week. Uh, so from round six onwards, Reese Robson played 80 minutes in every single game, aside from one where he played 73 minutes. Uh, so he committed to that strategy, and it did work wonders for the Cowboys. Obviously, we saw how their season went. Uh, so in those performances, Reese Robson averaged 58.8, which actually holds across his entire career, uh, where in his 71-plus minute average games, he averages 58.6. So, And that includes non-PVL ball as well. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind with Reese Robson is he's a noted try scorer. Uh, so there could be some benefit to the, uh, the way that they're going to officiate the, the 10 meter rule, uh, with respect to, you know, having to have both feet equal or behind the line with the umpire instead of the, the furthermost at the back foot being in line with the umpire. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that makes a difference to his ability to, to burrow over for a few more tries. Uh, but also, uh, he plays two of the three major buy rounds and every single one of the minor buy rounds. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Robson could be the most essential player to have in a team for an overall coach. Nice. I like it. Mitch, have you got any interest in Reese Robson? I do now. <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would have honestly thought he was cashed out, but Mark makes a pretty good argument. I'm just sitting there. I read it before he sort of go through, and I was like, oh, geez, okay. Better pencil him in. Yeah. yeah. Now, I must say, he's been, like the last month or so, he's been. I've got about six players that I actually like care about in my team, and then I sort of slot in other players around them. It's just like, you know, cover and value. And Reese is there. So he. Um, the only. And the guys above him on the pick list is what Damien Cookie, uh, who's at uh, 9.45. And then we've got uh, Harry Grant, who's at 8.57. So you do get, I guess, probably the third best hooker for the third best, for the best price, right? 
And I would actually suggest to you in some ways he might be the better hooker. First reason is Mark, what Mark said with the buyers. But the second one is Harry Grant's an injury magnet and Damien Cook's over the hill. Hmm. No state of origin as well. Uh, and go. and a nice little puff piece. He, uh, he, he, put he it could up play state of origin, to... you know. That's oh, not impossible. Oh, he'd be, he'd be the next guy. Like if Cook or Appy went down, he'd be the next one off, off the rank for sure. Yeah, there's no one behind him. I'll be honest with you. Like there's Cook, oh. Appy, and Robson, and then Daylight, isn't there? Cameron McInnes. Yeah, that's where you're down to. You're down for a guy playing 14 at the Sharks. Oh the mate, Ca- Cameron McInnes would be the starting hooker at about seven teams in the NRL. That's true. Panthers should get him. Uh, anyway, he'd be on. starting hooker at St George. Oh wait, we let him go. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sore point. He'd be starting captain at St George. Oh, God. Let's not get into the Dragons. I'll just get upset. <laughs> We're getting into them next ne- next podcast, mate. Uh, all right. Let, let's let's just have a quick look through who's left. I might just quickly jo- drop into uh, Scotty Drinkwater here. It's a real quick one. Uh, look, he didn't start 2022 in first grade, but when he, once he got that uh, opportunity through injury to Hammer, he took it with both hands. And I don't know about you guys. I really like Scotty Drinkwater. I picked him up last year... Uh, pretty early in the season and he he plays pretty well he sort of passes the ball well he's got a good short kicking game and uh, yeah I've got him sort of like a, as a very decent player the issue is is that he's kind of priced out so he's got that 46 break even uh, but look I can project him for mid 40s in a relatively unchanged teams especially because he's got a pretty low floor so one in four games, he scores below 30, which you really don't want in the starting wing fullback, guys, do you, Mitch? No, not really. <laughs> no. Not at all. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I I don't... I I have a lot of uh, trust issues with Scott Drinkwater, so I'm just going to pretend he doesn't exist until later in the year. Fair enough. The, the th- there's two things. This is that, one, if something happens to Val Holmes, uh, get interested in Scott Drinkwater because he's the backup kicker, in my understanding. Chad Townsend. Oh, you reckon Chad? Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, he's a weapon. He's like an 80% goal kicker. No, I got you, mate. It's just I've got Scotty Drinkwater kicked in the game where Val wasn't around. That was all. Did he? He did. Maybe. You might be right, mate. Excellent. Well, look, if he if Scott Drinkwater is kicking and Val's out long term, uh, the other one is, is in draft. Wing fullback's looking ugly. Once the top three or four guys go in the wing fullback position, once what... Tedesco, Latrell, Manu, and a couple of the other guys are gone. Scotty Drinkwater's up there. So yeah. it wouldn't shock me if Drinkwater scores more than Manu this year. Yeah, there you go. So you you pick him up sort of uh, to start filling in. Excellent. Okay, moving on. Uh, we've got a couple of guys left to look at. A uh, couple of cheap fellas up there at the uh, Cowboys mark because you you uh, you got a bit of a tie up there what are we thinking about uh, a couple of these cheap cheap guys up there like Tom Chester yeah it's probably more of a chuck a star type scenario on these two guys so this uh, Tom Chester he's the new Hamaso in terms of you know first injury to the back line he'll come in uh, so he's a half he's more of a half fullback than he is a winger fullback if that makes sense 
Um, he's probably more in the mold of the Drinkwater than than the Hamaso. He's been the ball playing sort of type of guy. He spent some time training in the centres or whatever. So if there's any injuries to the backline at all, we'll likely see Tom Chester. Uh, and he's one to one to put in the black book. He's very you know volatile, similar to Hamaso, but I mean he's young as well, and he's he's got huge wraps on him. So uh, I think with time and and all those sorts of great things, he'll be uh, he'll be an NRL player and a, and a good one more than likely. Uh, and the other one is Taniella Sadrugu, who spent a bit of time training in that edge spot, uh, but he's very much in the Mike Sivo type, you know, body mold. Where you know it's you know it's not very clear if they're a winger or a second roller, uh, so I, I guess he was in the middle and played center, uh, but he averaged fifty three point seven in the centers in reserve grade. Wow! So he's a uh, he's an absolute monster. I think he averaged about eight tackle busts in one hundred and seventy or one hundred and eighty meters a game. Um, so he's he's very uh, very Mike Acevo esque. You know, semi Rodrigo, these sorts of giant Fijian blokes. Somehow he's ended up in the right position in the back row instead of trying to play in the back line. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he actually gets a go. But if he does, he's a fantasy gold mine. Yeah, no, definitely putting the black book on him. And just having a quick look here: 191 centimeters, 106 kilos, 24 years old. That's that's prime territory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's a. Uh... He, apparently he's been training on on the edge, and he's listed as a second rower on the Cowboys website. But I played center last year in reserve grade, so yeah, he might <laughs> he might have been, he might he might have gone home to Fiji and eaten a bunch of uh, the delicious food out there and put on another ten kilos and so weighed him for that hundred and six maybe and moved to the back row. Imagine, imagine guys like you're there, you're eighteen years old, you're going to play some Queensland Cup right out in the centers. You're a young fella come through, and you see this dude rolling at you. No wonder he's scoring fifty six. Jeez. Yeah, I'll I'll t- take that and raise you the uh, the Kibra Park Kibra Park side that had Payne Haas, David Fafita, and Mo Fodawaker all in the same year, <laughs> with Tanner Boyd running him around. So yeah, exactly. The world's smallest. Big I think man. I think Ponga might have been in that team as well. <laughs> you know that's filth. All yeah. right, let's let's yeah. go to the last guy, uh, Val Holmes. So, only reason why I looked at Val guys was because I was looking through centers this year. I don't know about you guys. I'm really struggling to find a center pairing worth a DM. Mm. So I had a look at Val, and good news is, is that like uh, he's he's got what it takes to be a gun center. So he's got a he gets good ball in a good team, and he adds goal kicking, which uh, he and Zach Lomax are the only got only centers who do that right, who have that sort of baseline uplift with goal kicking. And unlike Lomax, he's in a good team, so he gets a fair few shots at goal. <laughs> And some of them from the middle of the park. I think I just heard Mitch's heartbreak then. Yes, not good. <laughs> anyway, but look, uh, this, I don't see significant change to his role. So his pricing is around 42. Uh, and it's all repeatable from last year. So it's 0.5 tries per game, four goals, 145 meters run. So I'm saying, first of all, if, if you don't start with him, in a dip, it's definitely get in, and also and remembering for draft two, and I the deeper that I had sort of a second look at him because I'm I'm sort of trying to work out why is this price only around forty two, with 0.5 tries per game and one hundred forty five meters, he only makes six point seven tackles a game, guys. Like if he picked that up a little bit, and he every one in every three tackles that he tries to make, he misses. 
So he he's got like a uh, two missed tackles a game and six made. So he could actually be the best fantasy center in the game if he upped his tackles to 14, 16 in the game and maybe dropped one of those missed tackles. So can I, uh, can I tack a little bit of information into here? Yep. So I don't know if you read my Valentine Holmes article that I did on our website. No. But uh, fun fact about Valentine Holmes. So prior to uh, this year... Valentine Holmes' career starts ever in the centres, reserve grade, NRL, schoolboys, anything, uh, was one. He played one game in the centres in his entire life previous to 2022. And uh, in the first 12 games of 2022, his average was 37.1, but in the back 12 inclusive of the finals, it was 51.6. So his non-goals... Average went from 29.6 to 42.4. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys hit their stride, stride, so he scored an extra 1.7 points per game in goals in the back 12. But he's a uh, yeah, he's a prime candidate to be comfortably the number one center this year. That's it. So yeah, I've yeah that that's that's where I was going with that one. Is that combine that with that early soft draw as well? Because he, he does love a try, doesn't he? And, and a bit of an attacking raid, Mark? Oh, 100%. And I mean, the, just the Cowboys having a soft draw, he might kick six goals a game. But, you know, you look at his uh, even his last three matches, which was all against top four sides, he averaged 64 points with only eight points in goals. So, you know, what that shows me is a consistent, steady improvement in a guy that was already elite fullback and winger and now an elite center Obviously, another Queensland State of Origin series-winning hero, and uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, he's been locked into my side since I wrote the article on Katoni Stags, where I accidentally discovered this. Nice. So, and look, he does play on the left-hand side, which is always a little bit better for centers. So that's awesome. Uh, okay, so the so the question is, I know for you, Mitch, can like, do you reckon you can cut aside six hundred grand to chuck in a winger, six twenty to be precise? To chuck in, sorry, a centre. No, I don't. I, I, I just, I, I, I can't see the value there. Uh, no, short answer is no. I, I don't, I don't see it happening. You got to remember, Val Holmes had some whopper games last year as well to, to get that, uh, value. Um, I, I struggle to see how he's anything more than a chucker star in it. To be honest. Excellent. So, Mark, you've got a bit of a boom on him. I, I have just with that early soft draw. I've got a bit of a boom on Val as well. The only question mark that I've got over him is whether you can find that 620K. The only way I think you could do it is if you went really cheap with your wing fullbacks and your other center partner and your coverage. Mm-hmm. But you could do it. There's certainly some There's certainly some points there for it. So if he does get to that 50, you could certainly do that. And then, you know, once it gets to origin time, that's when you invest in a certain Joseph Manu, right? 100%. Yeah. Because I think if you could switch him into Joey Manu and take 100k out of the trade, if those two kind of swap in price, that, that would be like the trade of the season. Oh, yeah, comfortably. It's a lot of ifs and buts though, right? It is a lot of ifs and buts. And it's 620k out of your starting side, which is why like, I want to have Val Holmes in my starting side, but I'm struggling. But obviously Mark, Mark does. Do we and... have any stats on how Val Holmes goes, how he fares when the Cowboys lose? Uh, 40 okay so in the games where they got tuned up right and this is this is my big one 
where they got tuned up. 14 points versus the Roosters in round four. Uh, 42 against the Panthers, round 12. And then 19 against the Roosters again, round 22. Uh, that's not a great sample size. That's twice against the Roosters. Okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. They, they didn't lose too many games last year, man. No, and, and that's my point, though, is like, you know, they have a very soft draw, but what if they guts it or they're in a couple of tight games? That 6.20, you know, the whole the whole point of those early rounds is to grow. I just don't quite see the 100K we'd be looking for for that growth. I think there are better keeper options out there, and it's a risky side swap, but anyway, that's just me. He also put up an average of 54.5 in the two finals matches. He did. He played very well in those games, actually. I was watching him. So uh, uh, the the big and you're right, Mitch. In the in the you know the when we had uh, Shane on, who was the guy who won the 2021 season, came first overall. His big thing that he kept banging on about was not investing money in the centers. Uh, specifically, that was his like main point that he brought up. And I think there's it's right. The problem is this year there's like three million wing fullback options and about four options in the centers and three of them suck and Valentine Holmes. So that's where I'm I'm sort of finding myself is, you know, I've got right now Holmes and Isaac Thompson sitting in my centers who I don't have to touch them until round thirteen now. That's that's sort of where I'm 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 looking at the, you know, not wanting to invest a trade and I have the potential for boom games where, you know, as you correctly point out, there's also the potential for low scoring games as well. But you know, this guy's had twenty five career games in the centers. So yeah, he's he's going to improve, and and as you point out, Stu, you know, they've just lost Tom Gilbert off that left edge, and they're replacing it with Jakaczewski. You know, oh. what are the odds that he has? What's the odds he has to do some more defense, or has to you know touch the ball more because they don't want Kaczewski touching it? That's true. Or what's what's the chance that they just go the other way though? Yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose well, I suppose to your point, he's not going to lose much value. Like no. if it goes wrong, the only thing that'll happen is he stays the same. And, much, you know, much like 42, Zach Lomax. 50. Yeah, that, well, uh, that's my likeness. And, you know, Zach Lomax, unfortunately, St. George isn't going to be better uh, this year. But, like, he, he was capable of scoring points on one of the poopier teams in the comp. So, yeah, it, it, it's safe. I just don't think he's a boom pick. Fair enough. Look, I'll, yeah, on, on, the, on the mix in between there, look, I'll, I'll chuck him in the spicy category because, look, I think that he's certainly worth picking up. You just got to know that, you know, there's... Uh, there's a choice there. And I think for me, I would just really like him to do the fact that, yes, centers suck this year. I'm really struggling. And so you, you don't know who you want in your side round one. Because like if, if you're starting off with what Hammer So and Isaac Thompson, who might only get two games in the role, we could be burning a lot of trades real early trying to find anyone who's playing. Yep. Yep. There's no, uh, no Steve Crichton and uh, Taylor May freebies for us this year. Isaac. Or Tugger. Isaac Tuggo, yeah. Oh, that's it. We got lucky last year. We did. We were, we were we were very privileged in the centres last year, and it's it's a barren wasteland oh, at the moment. And then Matt Burton sit there. Oh yeah, churning out whatever else, and then I got Jerry yeah. Marnie too. So it was and, anyway. and you and Aiken and Jack Bird. Oh yeah, dumping out fifties. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta go f- talk about Jackie Bird another time. But yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Look, I th- I think we've been through just about everyone there. Is there anyone else that we need to talk about, Mitch? No one that I can think of. No. Uh, look, I, I think I had a quick thing in Jeremiah Nanai, which is, look, he's pretty much at value. Guys, any disagreement with that? No, no disagreement from me. He he may even be a little bit overpriced given the, you know, 70% try scoring rate. And, 
He's also in like 16% of teams, which I'm finding really confusing. Name recognition? I think it must be because he, he yeah. went straight to the Australian side, man. So, yeah. No, good good back rower, but, you know, the base isn't there and, and really high attacking stats. Uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a trap if I've ever seen one. Well, spe, spe, but look, isn't he the hero who returned from the, the moderate lateral ankle sprain? I know, Mitch, you loved that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to get into it anymore. But the next time someone says, you know, what a great effort coming on with a lateral ankle sprain, the person who doesn't come back on should be dragged through the streets. Like, for God's sakes, strap it up and get out there. Mate, those Queensland State of Origin heroes, they can do amazing things. Queensland commentators, man, far out. Like, <laughs> give me a neutral commentator. It's disgraceful. And, and someone with some... Friggin- get back out there. <laughs> like, just someone with some knowledge on it. Like, anyway... So I'm not well, going to go there. What, I'm just going to get up. We should get again. New Zealanders and Phil Gould, huh? <laughs> I wouldn't mind a New Zealander, but Phil Gould speaks enough, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, oh. Too much. Anyway. Too much. All good. Uh, okay, guys, look, last little part here. Where do we think we're going to end up on the ladder this year for the Cowboys? Uh, Mark, where do you think they're going to end up, mate? Am I the lowest here at fifth? And and you're the Cowboys fan, right? Yeah, well, I, 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 you know... Last year, everyone was telling me they were coming last, and I just said to them, "I, I don't." There's way t- teams that are way worse than the Cowboys. I was the only person that wasn't shocked when the Cowboys were good last year, but you know, losing Tom Gilbert is a big one, and untested Tom Chester. If there's a, an injury drop, uh, I, I can see the Cowboys sort of in that, yeah, the bottom of the top eight rather than you know in and around the minor premiership this year. No, fair enough. I, I must say they did do very well last year to pick up Luciano to cover Luki's injury as well. Oh yeah, that that was like a great, uh, almost well, essentially an upgrade to their team. So because they could handle Mitch Dunn, but the second one could have hurt them. But then you suddenly end up with Luciano Lelua, who's I don't know he you wouldn't have him play for New South Wales now, but you know he wasn't a million miles off it a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's no Queenslander, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, Mitch, where do you have them, mate? I have them fourth. I, I do agree with Mark. I suppose that they're not quite as strong, but their draw soft, and I've got too many teams I've got to put below them, so they end up fourth. Yeah, that's that's kind of like mine, is that I, I kind of stuff with, well, look, the Panthers and the Roosters will be up there, in my yep. opinion. It was like, who's below? It's like, yeah, the strength of schedule, and also the fact that the Cowboys looked pretty good last year. So They did, and they've kept the core of that team. With the exception of Gilbert, they're still pretty much the same. Yeah. But look, a- anywhere from sort of, th- I don't know what, third to sixth, I think is a pretty, yep. will be a pretty good outcome for them this year, guys. Yep. 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 Excellent. All right. Look, let's move on to the next one. And Mark, part of the reason we got Mark on us because uh, the next team we're talking about is basically got half of the Cowboys team there. So <laughs> we have the, the Red- heart and soul anyway. <laughs> we have the Redcliffe Dolphins. So. Uh, look, I'm not going to go through team additions because everyone is a team addition to this team, right? And I don't <laughs> think they lost anyone yet. I, I guess they lost um, Cam Munster, Kalen Ponga, basically Mitchell Moses, anyone who didn't want to sign, Harry Grant, anyone who didn't want to sign with them, they lost. So I guess the biggest news about these guys is, is that they've got $2 million sitting in the bank that they have to spend this year. So apparently they're prepaying uh prepaying people for next year so they're gonna have like another two million to throw around oh more than that yeah so yeah. so like two million from this year to throw into the two million that they've got next year yeah 
somebody's going to get paid by the Dolphins. I don't know who it's going to be, but yeah, front 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 loading contracts. It's the anti uh, Canterbury Bulldogs, if you will, where uh, they're uh, they're going to front load all these blokes like Jesse Bromwich and uh, you know Felice Cafusi and Kenny and all these guys are going to have them playing for about a hundred grand a year by the time they actually sign somebody. Uh, but this team is going to surprise some people. Oh, well, that's an interesting one. So, so, guys, who do you think the biggest gain is here? Mitch, who do you reckon the best signing is that they've got there? Uh, go to Mark for me, Matt. I'm actually going to have a look through because... Yeah. Now, Mark, who do you reckon the best signing is? Uh, probably Jesse Bromwich. Uh, I hmm. think not, not in terms of on the field. Just, you know, if you're going to start a team you may as well start it with the new zealand captain that knocked off the australian team not to mention the you know the the vice captain of the melbourne storm for the last 10 years through their dynasty all of these guys that are going to come in that have come you know like you look at the teams that they've signed blokes from the large majority of them are panthers cowboys melbourne uh, you know, these teams, they know how to train. They've been with professional people. They know how to win. Wayne Bennett will have them revved up. And Jesse Bromwich is going to be right at the core of that. You know, he's going to show them how to, you know, prepare and and start the locker room off the right way. You know, they haven't signed a bunch of blokes. Like, you know, you look at the Titans. They just went about it the wrong way. There was a bunch of, you know, Greg Birds and Jared Haynes and all sorts of stuff that came in there. That's not the guys that they've, they've looked for. They've looked for... You know, people that uh, would be tradespeople, and you know, they're. I think they've uh, they, they've done a great job of establishing a a first grade roster where nobody of a big name wanted to sign there. And I think when they come in at you know tenth or twelfth or wherever they land this year, they're going to have uh, have people queuing up to be the you know the two million dollar man. Yeah, it'd be interesting certainly to see who's there because yeah, I don't think there's anyone left this year to buy. Apart from Mitchell Moses, oh, there's always a disgruntled person halfway through the year. <laughs> Mate, is there? I reckon everyone's been re-upped. I, I, I feel yeah. sorry for the Dolphins. I feel like every big name who's even coming off contract this year. Oh, there's a couple of blokes for 2024 that could get early releases if the season goes pear shaped. No, that's true. Uh, do you want? Do you want to cover your ears, Mitch? Yep. Ben Hunt. You know what? Please. Take him. See you later. Take him. Take him. Just strip the club. Strip it bare. Let's hit yeah. rock bottom. Let's do it. Well, I'm talking <laughs> about Benny Hunt later today. I like gonna... Ben. I like Ben Hunt, but you know, I, yeah. I, I feel bad for him. Honest to God. Yeah, Mitt, I think the Dragons are chasing the 101 in the draft for next year. <laughs> God. Apparently, Ben Ben Hunt's the tightest bloke in rugby league. Allegedly, I saw I've heard as well. It's why I turned up to the team awards for a feed. No, I've heard I've heard similar things when it comes, you know, time to shout the coffee. Hunt's credit card yep. goes missing. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, uh, uh, there's a couple of guys who are off contract in 2024, who you know, uh, you know, disgruntled teams going sideways. Dolphins are actually doing all right. You know, early release. Yeah, he's he's right at the top of the list for somebody oh, I could see. That, that's spicy. I like that. I could see that. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't you know what you could have Milford and Hunt reunite that's spice that's suddenly you probably got a top 8 team anyway. yeah I mean David Fafita's the other one Oof. back un- back under Wayne Bennett where he started at the Broncos that would be a signing worth doing 
Like, Benny Hunt, as much as it sounds silly, right? Sean O'Sullivan's actually a decent halfback. Oh, yeah. So, look, yeah. I, I think ben, you can ben, play ben that Ben Hunt's, Hunt role. Ben Hunt's a good team from a Dally M. He had a Dally M season last year. Ben Hunt's a team away from a Dally M. You put him on any team in the top eight last year, he's a Dally M winner. Mm. And particularly a team of unremarkable blokes like the Dolphins. That's true. He's not losing points to anyone. Yeah. We're going to talk week. about the Dolphins though, blokes. Otherwise, we're going to be here till midnight. Excellent. Okay, <laughs> let, let's crack on. Okay, uh, Mitch, we've got a couple of guys here. Now we have, what would you call him? Parramatta Eels hero? Try scoring hero, Ray Stone, with his ACL. What happened there? Yeah, so he did his ACL in round six, uh, scoring that try off the missed field goal. Uh, guys, same ACL spiel as always. He's slated to return for round one, so he will have had a little bit of a preseason. He won't be the same dude this year. Wait one to three rounds minimum. Um, not much else to say there. I feel like I, I say it every time. The hammer's probably a little bit more interesting. Look, with his surgery, I couldn't find out exactly what it was, but based on the time frames of recovery, I'm guessing it was a syndesmosis. Uh, he's had plenty of time to rehab it, so I don't think it's a non an issue as such. Regarding the hamstring, uh, hasn't had heaps of game time in the last year, and that's one of those weird things. It's kind of worked for him and against him. It works for him because, well, it should be pretty well healed, but we know with hamstring injuries, the best way to avoid a hamstring injury is to be training it in the way you're going to use it, and that's you know where they finally got Tom Travoyevich's hamstring rehab right, although they've sent him off to America for the good stuff. Um so what I'm going with this with the hammer is he, he's just an unknown quantity and, and it basically makes him risky from an injury standpoint because he's had time to recover, but he hasn't had much game exposure. And we see this all the time that when, when players have had time off, there's nothing quite like the real thing. Um, so straight off the bat, I, I get pretty nervous with that. Uh, and, and it's one of those classic situations that were he to get injured, uh, it'd be somewhere between the round four to six mark just when, when his body's starting to just... Uh, struggle to keep up with the pace, but we'll see as the round as the season goes on. I, I'd really want to see him come out of the blocks firing rounds one and two to feel like uh, he he was ready to go. Anything short of that, I'd actually be holding off and pulling the trigger on him. Fair enough. So really, it's like you, you, we really want to be watching those Dolphins preseason games. You do. But remember, they'll probably try and play him into it. Like, I, I don't know if he'll be in my starting squad just because I'd want to see him explode rounds one and two and sort of be like, okay, this guy's raring to go. Whereas if he looks, you know, a half yard behind the play, um, I'd be staying away because it's the sort of sort of situation where four to six rounds in, he'll have something go, whether it be a calf or a quad or a hamstring. Mm. Okay. It's an interesting one because I know that Hammy here, he's at 30... 6% ownership, so that's ugly. Yeah, or, well, he's a, he's a good pick, right? But there's there's a lot of risk associated. Fair enough. Uh, look, and let, let's crack on with the the ratings for their uh, strength of schedule. So basically, Nick's, Nick's got here that they're very much middle of the road, so eighth easiest schedule. So out of 17, so it's pretty much dead center. Uh, only thing is, is that they do start off with the Roosters round one. It is at home, but it's the Roosters round one. We're just hoping that it's the Roosters who got toweled up by... Who, who did they nearly get knocked over by early last season? The Knights? Yes, they did. They got, so oh, you, that's right. Was that the year before? No, no, was, no, the Knights beat the Roosters like rounds one or two. I remember it. That's when we got very high on their, their halfback and there is off playing in England. 
Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so then they've got the Raiders, Knights, Broncos, Dragons. So it's actually a pretty nice soft run for a few rounds. Then they've got the Cowboys, Rabbitohs. So your Titans, Raiders, so a mix of top eight, bottom eight, all the way through. Uh, the other thing is, I'm just having a look for their bias here. Do we have a list of their bias? Uh, rounds 11, 16, and 21. So round 11 buy, we're not especially loving because your chances of red dot at that point are pretty high. 16 is obviously origin and 21 late. So ugh. I don't know. How do you guys feel about those sort of those weird buy rounds? 11, 16, and 21. Yeah, well, I mean, ideally, if you want you want somebody like by, by then, you know, assuming you're only picking up one dolphin, uh, a round 11 innocuous buy is fine. They play the first buy round. Assuming they don't play Origin, and then you you know you move them on would be the way, because there's no there's no fantasy keepers at all in this team I don't think so, uh, you know you're looking for cash generation, which you know no buys in the first ten rounds is a good good thing for that. Excellent, no that's very true. All right, uh, the other thing just looking at the teams that play twice is all Queensland Broncos Cowboys. Uh, then they've also got the Dragons Knights Raiders Roosters. Uh, obviously the Titans, the last Queensland side, and the Warriors. So not not the worst double set either. All right, moving on. Uh, 1 through to 17. Guys, just jump in if you think that I've got something wrong here. Uh, look, I've got Hamaso at the back, at fullback. On the wings, uh, we have uh, Jermaine Sarko, and uh, we have Origin Hero, Edric Lee. Uh, in the centres, I've got Tessie New and uh, Ewan Aitken, who recently has written an article saying, or... Did he post something saying that he's basically training at centers again this year? Yeah, it was uh, on Twitter. Um, it's like a video thing saying he's going to be playing right center. Excellent. Well, look, he's a very good defensive center, so right center is where you need to be a good defensive center. Uh, and then in the halves, we have, it's been pretty much confirmed by the coach, Anthony Milford and Sean O'Sullivan, which is a real shame because uh, I know Anthony Milford has been sticking up for a few years, but moving on. Uh, we have uh, in the forward pack, Jesse Bromwich and Mark Nichols uh, to kick us off. Uh, we have Felice Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich as the uh, the Bash brothers from the Storm. Uh, we have Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. And uh, look, I've, I think I'm with most people, Tom Gilbert at lock. Uh, anything that you change about the, that starting 13, guys? Yeah. No, I think you got it right. Excellent. And look on the bench we got some formation. Cody Nikorima looks to be the 14. And look, I'll just start off with fantasy relevant players. Cody Nikorima is not a fantasy relevant player. Averages 14 off the bench. Avoid. And then we got Jared Wallace and Ray Stone, most likely if they're fit. And off the rest, look, I had you and Aiken there when I thought that he might still be playing in the center, but out of the rest of them, who, who do you reckon that last guy on the bench is? Uh, Herman S.A.S.A.? Yeah, it could be him, could be JJ Collins, or uh, hmm. which used to be formerly known as uh, JJ Felice, or um, uh, what's his name? Poasa Farm Silly. Oh, that's him. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Po- who, I guess if you couldn't crack the friggin' dragon side of, oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, one, one of those blokes. Ultimately, I don't necessarily think it matters. The only real question mark here for me in terms of the forward pack is whether Nichols starts or whether Jared Wallace starts. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually, because they're, they're pretty similar in age, actually. Oh, Nichols is... Uh, thir- Wallace is 31, Nichols is 33. 
Is Jared Wallace 31? 31, dude. He's been around since forever. Really? I remember... It... I'm sure he was only coming to the league not that long ago. Uh, hold on. I, I'm on the Googles now, man. No, yeah. you're right. He's he's 1991. You're right. But I'm sure that he's like... I, I would If you asked me how old he was, I would have said 26. Oh, look, he's been around. The only reason why I remember is because he was at the Broncos for a few years, man. And then yeah. he's just been subbing... I don't know, man. Whoever convinced him to go out to the Titans, unless he was on 800k. He would have been on good money, but he was he was highly touted for a while there. But if if he play if he starts, I think he's got some fantasy relevance, which I'm well, sure we'll, we'll touch well, on. How about let's kick off with Jared Wallace then? Look, we've worked out his age, 31. With that fantasy yeah. goal, what else have we got for Jared Wallace, Mark? Yeah, so um, if he's playing 45 minutes. I think he's a buy. So if you look at his games in the last three years, so this is only new data or recent data, uh, his PPM is just a shade under 0.92 in his 40 to 55-minute games. Uh, So a 45-minute roll would see him average in the very low 40s, and he's currently priced at 29. So a 45-minute roll makes him a buy. A 40-minute roll makes him a trap. So it's... (laughs) It's it's you know if he starts Wayne usually Bennett's you can minutes yeah you can you can pencil a starting prop in particularly considering the age of Jared Waller of um Mark Nichols and Jesse Bromwich I think if he's starting you can pencil him in for forty five and and he's probably a really good seventeenth sixteenth seventeenth man on the bench mid cover uh, but if he's off the bench I think he's a no go. There you go. Okay, interesting. So yeah, so Mark Nichols, Jesse Bromwich is thirty-three. Jerry Wallace thirty-one. Okay, so Dad's army. Yeah, pretty much is. All good. Uh, Mitch, uh, look, you know, I I just gave Anthony Milford a bit of a telling before, mate, but you've got a bit of a take on Anthony Milford. So talk us through. I do. I do. Look, I don't know why he was in, in my list given he's got nothing wrong with him. But anyway, I actually am quite glad you did because I, I had a bit of a think about it. So Anthony Milford, 485K, 33.9 uh, average points in the 2022 season. On a side currently where he will drink, I believe, at least half the milkshake. For Milf, you need to ask yourself three questions, guys. Do you believe Bennett can bring the best out of him? Do you believe in this Dolphins side? And do you think he his best footy is behind him? He's only 28. I actually thought he was in his 30s. Milford's only 28. I actually say yes to two of the three. And because while I don't 100% believe in this Dolphins side, I don't think they'll be terrible. I think he's a very spicy pick because we know he can play under Wayne Bennett. We know he's a million-dollar player when he's with Wayne Bennett. And... Uh, He's in Queensland. So, to you, Mark, what are your thoughts? I'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, I don't have a lot of trust. I did see the uh, the the news on the uh, on the news the other day that he was leading all the preseason fitness stuff. Yeah, uh, which I find it very hard to believe, given the number of fast food restaurants up at Redcliffe. <laughs> he, he, he's. I'm telling you, he's a Bennett boy. He's a Bennett boy. He is. Hey, he must I'm not, have been. I, I'm not here to argue with you, mate. I just, what, <laughs> it's it's kind of in a bit of no man's land for me in terms of the price. I think that's probably the hardest bit. Is like at no point have I said to myself, you know what, I really need a highly volatile 485k 
half. That's that's kind of where I'm at. at the that's moment. why he's spicy, right? That's that's exactly why I put him as spicy. Yeah, that's true. He and he does fit. Like if you were, if you had SJ inside, if you're one of those guys who's got on the SJ train, right? Me. You, yes. Yep. You could possibly save yourself 85k, right, for a guy who's equally as volatile, right? Who's also right? six years younger. It's less broken. Who's bought SJ? Me. Oh my god. Gotta get me back on for the Warriors pod. Boys. Oh, oh boy. I'll give, it, I'll give you the business. Oh, I just, no. I just, I don't really, yeah. The mil, the like, I like, I like the thought. I like the thought process on Milf here, but I just, I'm, I'm willing to put a sandwich on this. Anthony Milford points for the season will outscore Sean Johnson. Total, total points. Total points. Can can we make it a like knockoff? Uh, rugby league jersey from uh, DH Gate or something instead. No, we do sandwiches here. Okay, well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll Uber eat you whatever sandwich you want. All right, that sounds fair. Yeah, we'll, we'll Uber. Eat you. We won't mail it to you, protein. <laughs> <laughs> I want a handwritten note included from you. Oh uh, no, tr- trust me, mate. Once you're in our economy, you know I'm paying back yep. Mitch and the sandwiches he owes me for last year, man. Can I get so- Can I get one from Can I get one from New South Wales though? Like. I suppose it'll be inadequate, won't it? Oh, oh, oh. oh. keep, keep so on just, working on the jokes, mate. The routine. I just, I'm just having a, a little bit of a gander at Milford here now. Yep. So in his in his seventy something plus, you know, minute starts, isolate out just half only. Twenty twenty two average of thirty eight. Ignore but that. Twenty twenty, but twenty twenty one average of forty eight. What yes. exactly? What exactly happened there? Because I mean, there's only a... he only came in part way through the season at Newcastle, man. Like, like no preseason, working with no one, right? He was just brought in there as like the last man standing. They tried it's to so resign him. 2018, 45, 2019, 47, 2020, 31. That 2020 then... was uh, the bloody what's his name though as the coach up there at Brisbane. Thebold. Yeah. You mean the the genius that's going to deliver Manly a premiership in the next five years? Oh, <laughs> deliver them something. Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh my god, I, I, that, I, I that, like it. Can I, we can we turn this podcast off? I gotta, it's too much, <laughs> too much pro Milford chat for my liking. I haven't even looked at him until now. That's I just saw it there and I thought, you know, the last time Milford was good was when he was with Wayne Bennett. And that's, I know that's a bit of a stretch, but then I thought, okay, well, he's 30 odd years old. He's not, he's 28. He should be in the peak of his career as a half. And this and what was, what was Andrew John's thing that he wanted from Milford? The phrase, which he's, which he also uses for a couple of other players, rock hard fit, right? That's all he needs to be rock hard fit so that he's got the gas to play the game properly. Holy crap, guys. He, he'll actually have a decent outside, um, outside back covering as well. He's in my team. Just he'll, saying, he'll have nah. he'll have you and Aiken, right, on one side, and he'll have what Felice Kafusi or Kenny Kenny Bromwich on the other. No, Felice Kafusi on the other. What side's he going to play, left or right? Actually, oh, sure, SOS might play right, so he'll play left. So he'll have uh, Tessie New, and he'll have uh, Kenny Bromwich. Not to mention State of Origin hero Edric Lee on the wing. That's true. I reckon he might go alright I'll be honest with you and he'll do those big kicks too yeah I don't know I just I'm, I'm scared boys okay let, you should be scared you should be that's why he's not a boom he's spicy he's super spicy 
No, I like it, guys. We, okay. we, we might need to have a run at Milford. I, I reckon we, we get up an article about him. But yeah. Look, we'll... as I said, to be good at fantasy, you've got to take some risks. And I think he's worth a risk because we're, we're talking character under the best character coach in the NRL. That's true. He is. That's all that Bennett that's is. That's the only reason that you're nervous. Anyway, that's Anthony Milford. Probably talked about him for too long. Sorry, guys. No. No, no. This is the sort of stuff that you pull up because now I'm thinking Anthony Milford where I wasn't before. What sort of ownership is he at? Sorry, very last thing oh, I'm going to it'd be, it'd be nothing. I reckon it'd be less than 1%. Oh, it'd be 0. 2.3. Oh, what? Oh, oh, people that makes first... him a pod too. Oh. That's high. That's I'll way just, too high. I'll just add him to my team. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Though how I'm going to start the season with Nathan Cleary, Matty Burton, Jackson Hastings and Anthony Milford, I do not know. Because none of them are Jews. One of these things is not like the other one. Oh, Nathan Cleese. Yeah, he's too good for any of those other guys. No, anyway, moving on. Uh, look, now that we've gone completely sideways, let me do a real quick couple for you guys. I've got a couple of real quick busts here for completely opposite reasons. So bust, Cody Nicarima. Averages 14 in the utility role in nine starts. And even if he gets a half, he averages 34.3. So if he gets a couple of games at half, do not get him. And they got Isaiah Katoa sitting there as as the young fella from the Panthers, the next new big thing from them coming through. So, and let me quickly chuck a thing across Isaiah Katoa, who's just a chucker star, because he's he was the next big thing at the Panthers. The only reason why Gus didn't buy him is because Wayne did. So uh, he's going to have to wait to start the season. Depending on how well Milf goes, he might actually have to wait for a while. Because Sean O'Sullivan will he's likely to be the guy to run the team around, right? Yeah. Three yeah. to four years until Milford retires by the looks of this. Yeah, so look, Sean O'Sullivan might get cut at some point, but it certainly won't be early. But look, Isaiah Katoa, he's, he's just black book, chuck star. Um, if nothing else, the one game that he played last year in New South Wales Cup, he slammed out 62 points in 80 minutes. Katoa. And that was with all of the rest of the New South Wales side playing first grade against the Cowboys. So... Katoa can play. Uh, the But obviously don't start your season with him. And look, I'll, I'll get rid of, because I talked about Sean O'Sullivan real quick. Uh, he's going to start in the halves, be 719k. He's all base stats, 31 points of base stats and 11 kicking, right? It's And it's pretty similar to where he's at the Warriors. He's got the Adam Reynolds job at uh, down there without the goal kicking, which is he runs the side around and he makes up he got got some decent base stats with tackles, but he's fully priced out, guys. Look, if you want to spend seven hundred grand, go buy Matty Burton. You'll save a thousand bucks. Any disagreement with assessment of Sean O'Sullivan? Nope. No. Nah, easy bust. Very quick. I just saw a few people were saying, "Oh, there might be something for him," but there's nothing for him. Uh, let's have a look at a guy who I know that he's in a lot of sides. Ray Stone, Mitch, what's doing with Ray Stone? Okay, Ray Stone. So, like, I'm not sure why he's in as many sides as in. I've got to chuck a star on him. He's at 257k. He's an average of 18 points. You've got him here as an interchange player. Um, look, his season last year was cut short due to the ACL, so we don't know how good it was going to be. But given that I do feel like it's going to be three rounds till he gets going, we really have the luxury of waiting and seeing if he gets the minutes and looks the goods. Like, he's, he's the archetypal chucker star. He is not going to come cranking out of the blocks. 
just wait a round or two. If he looks to be the duck's nuts, you can get on him after round one, but I just do not like picking people up round one after an ACL. That is that is mistake written all over it. And Wayne Bennett always has one of the better medical staffs in the NRL. They're not going to make that mistake. He's going to be played in. They've got plenty of um, plenty of minutes in their starting uh, 13. It's it's unlikely to happen. And and throughout his career, Raystone has really not played big minutes. So that's that's my feeling on Ray. I, I he won't be in my starting side. Hmm. Mark, have you got any thoughts about why Raystone is in 28.3% of sides? Uh, no, no nice thoughts. <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that stat because I, again, saw him in there going, why is Raystone in there? And then I looked and went, why is Raystone in there? Like, I put Chuck a star to be nice, but he... And, and at 257, I think you have to Chuck a star in on a team like the Dolphins where they're a bit of an unknown quantity, but anyway... I, no. I can't see it. The only thing is, if he somehow got that 13 role and Gilbert was playing off the bench... He's a boom. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a there's a 0% chance of that happening. Yeah. So that's it. If he's, if he's playing off the bench like he did for the um, for Parramatta, you know what you're getting. The guy's worth around 250 to 350k. Play a little bit of hooker. He's, he's, he's in there almost as a second utility, isn't he? Who can play up front. That's so, exactly right. Hmm. Yeah, and then yes. then they'll run another couple of forwards up there. So yeah, Ray Stone. Yeah, he's been in my side until I actually sat down and thought about it, and he's out. So he's yeah, chuck a star or and probably a bust if he just stays in that, you know, sixteenth man role. Uh, okay, so look, we're, we're chatting through a few guys here. Uh, let's have a talk about another guy's in a lot of sides. Hammer, Mark, what are you thinking? Well. You know, like all other Queensland State of Origin heroes, we need to bring up <laughs> Hammer. So, um, so uh, the big thing with Hammer, I I don't like it uh, as, but uh, you know, in, in terms of game theory, being the fact that he's so high upside and so highly owned, it's probably you kind of boxed into buying him at 36%. So, you, you know, taking a massive risk not buying him because instead of buying him, you're buying Tamari Martin, Charles Nickel, Clookstar, you know, or one of these sorts of guys. And the chance that they fire is equal or lower with less upside. Um, the thing with Hammer is if you look at his career fullback starts, it's 32 uh, when he plays a full 80 or close enough to it. Okay. And he's priced at twenty. And he's priced at twenty-five, which is you know six and a half points of value, which you know is not quite enough. And he's got dual, which is in his favour. But the thing to keep in mind here is if you look at his twenty twenty stats, his base was seventeen point six, and then twenty twenty one it rose to twenty eight point three, and then twenty twenty two is twenty two point three. So if you isolate out just that twenty twenty when he was a nineteen year old raw fullback coming from you know no real you know, he's just basically chucked in against men at, you know, 55 kilos and asked to, to be a fullback. You know, he's got some uh, scoring chops there. So 2021, he averaged 45.7 in three matches at fullback. Wow. Uh, and he was averaging 35.3 before he got injured after round three in 2022. So um, I think... The worst case scenario for him is he comes out and averages low 30s. Uh, but 
when 36% of people have got him, everybody else is dealing with the same thing and low 30s is what you're going to get out of Tamari Martin and potentially Chance Nickel Cookstar as well anyway. Um, you know, worst case scenario, you don't get him. He fires under Bennett and the spine of Milford and Hamaso combine for uh, the world's most inconsistent <laughs> side. But, um, you know, that 45 pops up and you don't have him and you're the only idiot that doesn't have him. Yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, certainly would worry you, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I think I think you just got to take him and just go. Well, if he sucks, everybody else has got him as well. That's the, you know, that's the thought process. Uh, very similar to Stephen Crichton last year, who had some question marks on him, um, and you know that all worked out really well for everybody involved, except for the people that had to spend a trade after him after round one. You know, you think like last year. Uh, not everybody started with Isaac Targo and Stephen Crichton. People got cute, and then after round one, they realised they were idiots and had to jump on. Um, but and Nanai was the same, you know, high ownership, you know, big upside, but question marks. Uh, you sometimes you just got to take that and jump on. Easy, Mitch. Are you staying with the hammer? Thinking about staying with him? I like the logic at thirty six percent owned, even if I'm wrong about his injury risk. Um, you know, you're not losing your shirt over it. It's good logic, but I am concerned about it. Uh, if that ownership rate cracks 40%, I think just based on that logic, I'll take him. But I, I feel like at some point I might have to burn a trade because he'll pick up an injury of some sort. But, you know, he's a high-level player. So when you factor in he's got a starting role uh, and, and we know he can play, if nearly 40% of people are owning him, it's it's hard not to go with that logic, isn't it? Sure is. No, definitely. I've I've looking if nothing else, centers, they're really tough to find this year. So the fact that you've got a guy playing fullback at center, right? It's got to do all right. Makes yep. me happy. All right. I might just quickly crack on with uh two centers out there. So uh we got one guy last year which was our our hero, Ewan Aiken. Uh sorry to Dino, listen to the pod. Uh Dean last year unfortunately sold Ewan Aiken uh right before he scored that eighty. So he got really burnt on that one, lost a bunch of money and uh, didn't get the points. But uh, Ewan Aiken this year looks to be playing at centre. Uh, it was a great bow last year, but don't get him this year. Uh, as his three-year average at centre sits around 37, which means you're going to lose 10 points of cash even you know if he keeps that up. Uh, I'd say I wouldn't buy Ewan Aiken until he dropped to around 350k. And at that point, you probably don't want to buy him because it means he's stinking it up. So he's a, he's a big avoid for me, guys. Uh, I do any of you guys disagree with that one? Is that a pr- pretty easy one to knock off? Yep. Yeah. No, I think he's a, a potential keeper center, but short term, he's a, a hard no. That's it. Yeah, you don't want to ride that roller coaster down. You just want to ride it back up. Yep. Uh, the other guy. Guy that I, I found a video on, and this is why I found him from the Host Plus Queensland Cup, uh, Avalance Tewale, who has been playing up there uh, for so the Burley Bears up there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he hasn't been playing NRL, but he averages 47.9 uh, when starting at centre in the Queensland Cup. A big fella, pretty much Conrad Hurrell 2.0, a little bit taller, a little bit better speed. But just Bradman, but, Bradman best. Yeah, actually, that that's yeah, Brad, Bradman best chicken legs, man. And 
Uh, he's unlikely to get the gig round one, but at 230k and a 16 break even, he does look very, very good. He cracked that top 30 contract pretty early on with Wayne Bennett. If the Dolphins don't fire early or something happens to Tessie New or uh, Hammer or any of these other guys who are a bit injury prone or Jermaine Asako just stinks it up and then move Tessie New out to the wing, uh, Valence might be next man up. So mid-season is where I'd love to see this guy because he'd just be a brilliant cash-down option. Mm. Nah, I, th- I think even he might even get a run on the wing depending on how it goes. I, yeah, he's a... I'd love to see him in about like round seven or eight, I think. That's it. Just just cash someone a cash cow down and uh, and laugh because, yeah, this guy, he, he just makes money hand over fist, I reckon. The one time I don't want to see him, I don't want to see him like round 19, round 22, something like that, where he just earns enough cash to ruin him for next season. Yeah, and he starts next year at like 640k or something. <laughs> oh, that's it. Like uh, like uh, Joe uh, Topane from the Bulldogs. Every yeah, year he starts 600 grand. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the one. Excellent. All right, uh, Mark, we've got uh, one more guy worth talking about, Tom Gilbert, because he's in a lot of teams. Yeah, I would make the argument that he's not worth talking about. Excellent. Um, okay, move on. No. <laughs> So, obviously, moving over from the Cowboys where he played predominantly on the edge and then moved to the middle, um, there's been a bit of a discussion around exactly what his role might look like and what he's, how to estimate his points per minute. So, uh, famously, last year, uh, Tom Gilbert got moved into the starting side and I uh, posted in our Facebook group in big capital letters, don't buy Tom Gilbert, and then he scored two tries and scored about 70 points. <laughs> uh, and everyone laughed at me up until every other round, aside from that one week where he scored those two tries where I was absolutely correct on my assessment of him. Um, Tom Gilbert's one of those guys. He's a great player for real life, but fantasy-wise, he's just not there. The PPM's not there. Um, so if you look at his games where he played exclusively in the middle across the last two years, his points per minute was 0.73, uh, which is just horrendous. That's like, you know, Isaac Liu levels. It's it's just not great. Uh, it did improve last year where he went up to 0.8 PPM, so 46 average in 56 minutes. But, you know, it was only three games. One of those was a 36 in, like, 58 minutes or something, though, So and two higher scorers. So I wonder if maybe that was just a sample size thing and, you know, on a larger sample size, that average would have come down. But, I mean, even if you project him at that, he needs to average 49, which means he'd need to be getting 60 minutes a game. Uh, given they've got two 80-minute edges, uh, Jesse Bromwich, Nichols, Jared Wallace, Ray Stone, and whoever else they play on that bench... I find it really hard to believe that he's going to play 60 minutes. Uh, and even if he does, I'm not 100% confident that that PPM is correct. Um, so, yeah, he's a hard avoid. Plus, not to mention, he's going to miss three weeks between 11 and 16 with uh, State of Origin and Bice. You reckon he makes the Origin team this year? I make 75 minutes off the bench in State of Origin, game three winning... Mate, he was their best player outside of Pat Garrigan in that game three last year. Oh, fair enough. I, I just wasn't sure whether he'd be fighting for Cotter and those guys for that role, but it makes sense. Yeah. No, I'd say he's probably, you know, that it may be that he's the, you know, him and Nano are the two edges. Okay. Uh, 
or, you know, something like that. Because, uh, I mean, Kate Well was one, but, I mean, he's kind of over the hill and David Feeder, who the hell knows what he's going to do this year. So, I mean, it's, you know, Gilbert, Nanai, Carrigan and uh, and Cotter are the sort of the cornerstones of the Queensland forward pack now, I think. Fair enough. And Tino. And Tino. Yeah. No, fair enough. Well, look, they, I kind of believe you about uh, Gilbert there. Like, certainly last year, he he just kind of rose to the level that he's currently at. Like, I, I just can't see much value there. And certainly not many more minutes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. Mitch, yourself? No, not interested. Excellent. Well, look, 10.8% of sides are, and he's not one of those auto-pick guys either. Like, I sort of made a few auto-pick teams. He was never in it. So, people must be interested. But, yeah, for me, he's an avoid. All right, so guys, last thing is the ladder predictions. So look, I've upgraded. I initially had the Dolphins to 16th, but I've sort of upgraded them. I reckon they'll be somewhere around 13th uh, in there because you're right about the, the culture side and uh, about Wayne Bennett in general. Mitch, what do you have them as, mate? Uh, I'm 15th. Excellent. And Mark? Yeah, 12th. Excellent. Well, look, as long as we're not wildly out from each other, because obviously the season is the season, the players are the players, they'll just determine it, but at least... We're not sort of like first versus, you know, 13th. Mm. Well, we're yeah. not predicting them in the eight. <laughs> oh, my my uh, co-host Ryan has a uh, a fairly healthy bet on them to make the eight. Wow. Jeez, I hope I hope he makes enough money to cover that bet. Yeah, well, I've, I've never, uh, you know, he's, he's very rarely incorrect. So it'll be interesting to see if that actually comes off. T- tell him I'll put a sandwich on it with him if he wants. <laughs> anyway. Uh, moving on, uh, we have the Storm. So last team that we're going to look at tonight, uh, a nominal Queensland team because they keep on winning up there, mate. So uh, let's go with the team additions. Uh, Melbourne Storm this year, they add Joe Chan from the Catlin Dragons, Ellie Katoa from the New Zealand Warriors, Aaron Penney also from the Warriors, and Tarek Sims from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And team losses, real quick, Jesse Bromwich and Kenny Bromwich, uh, and Khalid, Felice Kafusi all to the Dolphins, Cooper Johns to the Manly Seagulls, uh, Brandon Smith to the Sydney Roosters, and Tyson Smoothie, strangely enough, to the Brisbane Broncos. So, guys, Melbourne Storm. Uh, Mark, do you reckon they're better or worse off due to these changes? Um, I think long-term, probably better, but for this year, worse. Yeah, fair enough. Mitch, do you agree with that one? I, I think this year the same and long-term better. And I think I know why Mark's saying that. I mean, you get Brandon Smith out of town, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> no, that's that's true. Uh, fair enough. And look, for, for me, it's pretty similar. I think they'll hurt for they'll hurt for some of that stability uh, this year. But yeah, I think that uh, long-term, they've certainly refreshed their side a lot with these because they, they look like pretty good buyers. Uh, biggest question for you guys is who do you reckon the biggest gain is? Uh, Mitch? Uh, I think Tarek Sims. Fair enough. Mark? Oh, the uh, the second coming of Isaiah Papali'i in uh, Elias Katoa. You reckon they're a similar type of player? Oh, mate. They're, you could... Yeah, you can write the... Uh... <laughs> You, you, I, I, I can give you the career arc of Elias Katoa over the next three years right now. Fair enough. Okay, well, look, let's wait till we get to Elias Katoa, but I'm certainly interested to talk about that one. Hold on. 193 centimetres. Jesus, he is the same guy. Okay. 
193 centimeters, 110 kilos, 23. Yep, gotcha. Uh, cool. And look, I've got uh, Tarek Sims here, possibly just from that stability of the, the senior senior forward. But uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, of course, you listen to some, it could be Joe Chan. But uh, yeah, no, I'm not feeling that one at the moment. Next question. <laughs> look, Mitch, there are a few injuries to look at here. Look, let, let, let's save the big one for last. Take us through Xavier Coates, man. Uh, look, hamstring injury prior to the World Cup, he, he's slated to be able to return for the preseason. Uh, he is a high-octane, high-speed player, but doesn't have a ridiculous history of hamstring injuries. I'm not particularly worried about him. Uh, Reem Smith, now this one's a little bit more interesting. So we know that he ruptured his pec uh, twice last year, the second of which required surgery. Uh, it's not a great injury for a footy player, but it does typically do pretty well with surgery. There's a fairly low recurrence rate. Um, the big thing that works in Remus Smith's favor, if you're looking at him, is that while the pec is a very important muscle for tackling, he's not in a tackling position as such. So for Smith, who's going to be more about tries, tackle bus, try assists, it's not the biggest issue in the world, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just took it a little bit easier in the first week or two. But from a fantasy scoring point of view, not a major concern and a pretty low risk on the injury front. Uh, I'm going to skip that one too and come back to that at the end. Uh, Dean Eremiah, hamstring. He's slated to be back in the preseason. Again, doesn't have a major history of it. He's been able to sort of work his way into the season with those preseason jams. You'll have the chance to check him out. Uh, I'm not particularly worried about him. George Jennings, so he was an ACL round one last year. He's had the full year. That's about as good as it gets uh, in my book. Same deal. Look at him in the preseason. He's not going to be the same guy this year. Uh, and I always like those two to three rounds um, for him to get going. Um, coming back to Christian Welch. So Christian coming off that Achilles injury round one last year. It's the I'm getting old. It's, it's the old man sort of injury. And at 28, that's not a great time to do it. Typically, we should be seeing the Achilles injury in the mid-30s. Um, we see it a lot in the NFL with the bigger boys. What works well for Welch is he isn't built for speed. He's a workhorse. And that aside, I look for him to be eased into the season for the first month minimum, particularly given his, given his importance to the squad. I really didn't think Melbourne was anywhere close to what they could have been last season without Christian Welch. And I think Craig Bellamy knows that. So don't look to pick him up round one. They are 1,000% going to ease him into the year. They want to work him in, get his conditioning up. He'll be a high risk of another injury. Uh, he's going to have plenty of tackles but it won't really manifest until those minutes pick up. So from a standpoint of recurrence, I think it's pretty low. Um, from his input in fantasy as a, as a point scoring you know, game, I think he will be unaffected by the Achilles. The major issue for us is that I do think his, his minutes will be slowly uh, built up. Uh, coming back to probably the big one, Ryan Pappenhausen. So, you know, uh, one of the better rap sheets in the NRL with injuries. And and look, we'll talk about the knee first because um, I'm not really sure where to start. The main implication with the knee is it's extremely serious and, and he's lucky not to be retired. It is a really bad injury. It's a potential career-ending injury. Uh, that aside, my big concern, let, let's, let's assume that he comes back from the knee injury, which he's still not quite there yet, even though he's slated for a round one uh, return. 
I just think the run of concussions and his history of hamstring injuries make him basically unpickable. I did see he was in the States rehabbing, and maybe that helps with his knee and his hamstring, but as a guy who's running the ball back more often than not or looking to make those incisive runs, of all injuries, I'm still very, very concerned uh, about his concussion risk. And you'd be very hard-pressed to convince me to put him in, his, in, in my squad based on this because I feel like I'll just be trading him out. Uh, you know, that, that knock he took from Fui Maono two years ago, I think, sent him to the Shadow Realm. And he hasn't really quite come back since as far as his ability to recover from concussions. And, and may well never. Um, those types of things can, can knock you about a bit. So that's Ryan Pappenhausen. A lot of people will be thinking about the knee look. We'll know more as, as we get a bit closer. I'm skeptical that he'd be ready for round one. I think it could be like a bit of a Nathan Cleary situation where, you know, we're made to think that round one is, is possible. But given, you know, there are reports he's still not running at full pace or at all, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. We're getting really close now, guys. We're sort of just over a month out and, and building that running fitness takes a bit of time. And you think about the sort of deconditioning he will have had around that knee. Um yeah, I'm not going to be touching him in 2023. So, look, let, let's take that because that's the main consideration, right, for Ryan Pappenhausen. So I know I'm jumping ahead to where we talk about players. But really, that that puts him as a bust, doesn't it? Like for us, certainly early on until we really see something from Pappenhausen. I busted him. Yeah, fair enough. Mark, have you got any disagreement with that assessment? No, I thought he was putting it on when he got injured originally. I thought it was just a cork or something like that until I saw the X-ray of the kneecap, so... Um, yeah, crazy I've, stuff. I've never seen one like that, to be honest, Mark. I've seen plenty of transverse, and they're hard to get over. That that thing was like, you know, it was like gravel in there. Yeah. I was talking to one of the sports doctors uh, that I work with this Saturday after it happened, and he didn't have anything good to say at no. all. And, and he's an NRL-level sports doctor, so I, I, I just wouldn't touch him. I feel bad for him because I think he's a really good player, but, mm. you know. That, maybe maybe he has one or two good games, but yeah, the, the look, years of him being a keeper had gone. And look, I don't want to bang on what other podcasts say too much. Not, not, nothing against you, Mark. But the I know that Willie Mason was saying the other day, like with the guys were saying that, look, other guys like Turbo and Luttrell, even if they lose a step of speed due to injury, they're still big enough to bust the line, right? They've got other ways they can do it. But what's what does Pappenhausen have? His only speed. Yeah, that's it, mullet. Well, actually, Stu, mullet that's, power. Stu that's, a, that's a really good point. I didn't even consider that. His top gear is gone. He will never be as quick as again. No way. You reckon? He will never be, he will never be as quick that, again. That, that's, that's like your like like your proper assessment. He will never be the same player. He's 100%. He will never be 100%. I don't know how close to 100 he'll be, but I can guarantee he'll never be 100%. It's hard to describe how bad that knee injury is. It's like, it's amazing he could come back. It looked so, like a car accident. Honestly, that's the sort of thing you would see in a car accident. It's a bit like uh, when we saw Corey Oates go down last year. And again, one of the, the fantastic commentators we have on Channel 9 claimed it was a femoral uh, fracture, which is almost impossible unless it was a car accident. And it turns out that it wasn't because you need a car accident to do this. As Mark just said, that that's kind of the sort of thing we'd see in a car accident. Someone's run into you wow. with you know one tonne of car. That's crazy. The Jack Wyden, watch out, bro. So interesting. So that, that sort of puts a longer term. So that's why he's in bus, not just to chuck a star, wait to see. The only ways if he could reinvent himself, right? So you know those guys, sometimes they lose a step, they have to reinvent themselves. But yeah, I'm not sure Paps has the native skill set. 
But don't just worry about like the fractured patella. We're forgetting about like the meniscal injury, the hamstring injuries, the concussions. It's like the rap sheet's ridiculous. It's bad. Ooh. Okay. There's implications as well for his replacement, Nick Meany, who I'm sure Mark is, is champing at the bit. Ooh. Mark sent me a thing in the prior to the podcast going, can we get guys who aren't on the list? I'm like, yeah, it's whatever. Oh God, he's so spicy, Nick Meany. Oh, ex- you know what? We're busted, Ryan Pappenhausen. Let's move into Nick Meany. Mark, take us away, bro. All right. So Nick Meany, 1.1% ownership. He's going to be the storm fullback and goal kicker for the foreseeable future. Uh, he averaged 48.2 in the six starts that he played at fullback for the storm last year uh, with no preseason, no combinations. Four out of those six games were against sides that ended up making the top eight. Uh, and uh, excluding the first game that he played at fullback, so the last five, he averaged 51.2. Hmm. So the Storm don't play any of the Panthers, Cowboys, and Sharks until round 14. Not that it mattered to Meany, who put up a 50 against the Rabbitohs in his last performance. How do so, you do it? Do we have the makeup of that 50? I'm going to look it up. Oh, and I, I'm yeah. looking it up now. It's, it's all good. Because I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I, I didn't. I wasn't even looking at Hart McMeany. So yeah, I I had him in my team for most of the day yesterday, um, and I've I've done some reshuffling and he's out again. But he's definitely deserving of the spicy uh, category for there's, sure. There's nothing wrong with his stats as well. So he got a fifty, two two ta- uh, try saves. That, that's probably where it comes down to. But uh, one line break two line break assists, which considering he's more passing than running, uh, three tackles, four tackle breaks, 175 metres run because they were kicking the ball. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I'm interested. Yeah. He's, I like uh, it. I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, he's, you know, anytime you can get a get the Storm fullback who's also goal kicking at priced under 40, you need to have a look at it. It's important to note that prior to joining the Storm, he sucked for fantasy. Um, but it also he was in the worst him. bulldog side in history, though, bro. Yeah, well, that's exactly that's exactly with, why with, I'm with their of... worst coach. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Baz. Sorry, Baz. I've got to stop that. That's all right, Baz. That's, isn't that's exactly bro. why we're taking it off the off the sample size. I mean, you look at excluding the game against the Warriors, where he obviously got injured in round twenty. The three games previous, 180, 188, and 175 metres. Uh, he's in everything. He's got tries, try assists, line break, line break assists, tackle bus. You know, he's he's all about it. And goal kicking, like, I mean, he only kicked 5.1, so two point something goals per game in this list. Like, that's, you know, there's, there's upside there even. Um, you know, if the Storm, you know, that's, there's an extra goal in that maybe. Who knows? There's um yeah he's he's a 100% possibility for a 50 plus average. The only downside is he has two buys in the first 13 weeks. That's the only reason that he actually came out of my side cuz he has a 9 and a 13 buy. That's the literally the only reason. Yeah, no fair enough. That's that's a bit of a rough one, but right, Nick yeah. Mini is definitely worth a look there. He's very spicy. Uh all right. So so now we had a look at them. The only question I had for you guys about Nick Mini Obviously, he was playing there with a lot of the rest of the side was out. You know, Coates was out. Everyone was out, right? Grant Anderson was busted at that point, right? 
with Nick Minimus, mate. You, would he take a little bit to take a step back on the runs with guys like Coates and uh, Remus Smith running the ball back? Have you, have you ever seen a fullback have a better team around them and score worse? Uh, that's true. No, not really. Fair enough. I'll shut up. Uh, <laughs> next guy uh, that we want to have a look at. Uh, look, I think we've already chatted through Christian Welsh too, right? Which is yeah, yeah. I think what we the conclusion for Christian Welch is chuck a star, right? Yeah. Because and this is and I just wanted to add this in, right? So we know he's going to be a slow build. Uh, just remember, Bellamy isn't known for playing his middles for, as workhorses, and and that's something that's ca- catching on with a few of the coaches. That I do feel is a bit of a Landy's meta. Uh, that they're trying to keep them all as fresh as they can. And I know, Stu, we talked about this with the Bulldogs, that we saw almost all their forwards on like almost a 50-minute rotation. Just watch to see what Bellamy does in that space because I think the new meta of, of NRL is to now, particularly with your better teams, is to keep your team as fresh as you can. And that's just not from a load management perspective, but also performance perspective. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. For sure. Oh, look, that's I was looking at uh, James Fisher-Harris the other day. It's, I think it's part of the reason why he's not a top, top 10 middle, right? They just cap his minutes. He can play 80. He could play, or he could play 70 most weeks, but they don't. They keep him nice and fresh so that when he needs it, he's, he's there. Anyway. The, the, to, the Tomalolo strategy. That's it. Exactly right. Yeah, keep keep him mean. Uh, next next one up uh, for this one. Look, let, Let's have a look at a couple of the real guns out there, Mark. Cam Munster. What are we thinking about there? Are you high on Munster this year? Uh, not in it from a round one perspective, uh, but overall, yes. So obviously Munster went from sub 50 to 55 to 60 plus in the last three years in terms of his average. Um, so he's obviously cemented himself as one of the premier halves in the NRL and has for a long time. But from a fantasy perspective, he's sort of in the same tier as Daily Cherry Evans now. Uh, his try rate went up from 30% to 50% in 2021 to 2022, even with the reduction in the overall attack. You know, you look at guys like Turbo who and Tedesco and these sorts of guys who fell off a cliff. Munster actually improved between 21 and 22 in terms of his attack, both his try scoring and try assist. So he went from 45% try assist rate to a 75% try assist rate. So, um, yeah, he's not somebody I'm looking at for round one, but he's somebody that I'd really like to get in round like 14-ish. Excellent. Awesome. So so for us, yeah, it definitely we want to keep an eye on Cam Munster. Uh, I, I know I had him at the back end of last year, and look, he played really well. He just kind of, he's one of those guys who just, he scores all those points that the other halves don't, right? Yeah. Like yeah. strips and those tackle busts, those weird tries, like all that other type of stuff that, you know, you know, think the other guys don't regularly do. Mm. So, so it's it's great because they can be having a bad game and he can still pump out sixty points. Yeah, he actually um, scores better against top eight sides as opposed to bottom eight sides, yeah. which is a weird trend because almost every good attacking player is the opposite. He's one of the only trend breakers. Yeah, well, I know I know Mitch. We talked about that last year and we thought it was just one of those effort areas of his part, right? Like he just stood up for the big games, mm. but. Um, uh- it could also just be the uh, the fact that he's a Queensland State of Origin hero. That might have something to do with it as well. Far right, mate. I'm going to have to edit all of these out. You know that, right? Like, if we can't hear it, just go, uh, I don't know. Even... It... 
Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. I'm going to be here for the next hour. It's like State of Origin here to blank. <laughs> anyway. Uh, look, Mitch, you interested in Cam Munster somewhere in your team in 2022? Uh, possibly not from the start. But I could be convinced if the storm come out hot. I'm just not 100% convinced. And I think we all kind of said this, that they're going to be quite the same team this year. And, you know, when Munster was racking up the big scores, they were, they were typically either playing against big teams, but they, they were winning pretty handily, certainly in those earlier rounds where he put out a few monster scores, the storm were really sailing. So I'd want to see the storm put out some good stuff first, I think. No, fair enough. Uh Actually, let, let me just quickly run through the strength schedule because Nick made it and then I just skipped it, right? Oh, that's because I got sunk my teeth into Pappenhaus. I mean, right. chomping it. And, and then we went to Meany and suddenly we're into these other fellas. Okay, let me be real quick. Bowie rounds 9, 13, and 19. So that's very interesting. You're right, two, two buyers in the first 13. Uh, six easiest overall schedule. But pretty good rounds 1 to 12. Uh, which is uh, which is great, but the origin side they have cowboys, sharks, tigers, seagulls, panthers, by roosters round twenty. So yeah, round twenty one looks pretty good. So they got the round twenty four. They got the raiders, dragons, titans, and broncos. So you head to head guys or overall guys, if you burn those last few trades, might be a good time to get on monster. Uh. But yeah, they, they could get out to a bit of a flyer is what Nick's assessment was. Like he was thinking they could go out nine and two, like top two type of early season type of business. Anyway, look, let's, uh, with that in well, mind... Well, I'm, I'm a bit more interested in Munster after that. Yeah, though the, the two buyers in the first 14, so you'd have to trade him out at some point, wouldn't you? Because then he goes into origin time and like he, he does take a tiny step back then. So if nothing else, he just gets worn out a little bit. I think last year he played a little bit more just due to the fact that they had no one left. By the time the Origin 3 rolled around, they were basically playing, what, I don't even know who the ball boys were at that point. Were they generally like seven-year-olds at that point? Yeah, yeah it, well, it wasn't good. No. Well, look, Mark, let's talk about one more guy, speaking of Cam Munster, his partner, Jerome Hughes. Now, look, Munster went up last year. Jerome Hughes went down. Yeah, um, so obviously he was one of the biggest beneficiaries of PVL ball, uh Interestingly, he actually had a career high in attacking stats last year, um, so more even than 2021, uh, and almost a 70% try scoring rate, but his base just went through the floor. So five less tackles per game. So I had a look at his last five years, and he's normally like 20, 20, 19, 19 tackles a game type thing, and then he dropped all the way down to like 13, 14 tackles a game. I don't really know why, uh, but yeah, he had a massive decrease in tackles last year. Ah, the, their left hand side was. Oh, no, I don't know why either. He, he plays on the right. Yeah, that, that's my thing because their left hand side was the one that was fine. It was the right hand side because Remus Smith was out. Mm. Uh, who else sits out there? Coates? No. Yeah, they, Coates is a right wing. Co- Coates. So Coates was out, and yeah, I think they just must have been using the field that side of him as a turnstile. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, he's just ta- him and Ben Hunt. They both their tackle numbers just dropped through the floor last year for some reason. I don't really understand why, but um, yeah, he actually had a career high in attacking stats, but the uh, which sort of masked the the massive decrease in the base. So just as an interesting one, so just a, an observation uh, across 20, 2020 and twenty twenty one, 
He only went under 10 tackles in a game once in 39 games. But then in 2022, it happened four times in the span of nine games. So I guess what I'm wondering is, was he carrying some sort of injury where he's avoiding making tackles and he's going to go back up? Or was he, you know, they just said to him, mate, stop trying to make 20 tackles a game because oh. you're one of our gun players and we don't want you getting injured or, I, you know, I, who knows? I think I've got an answer for you on that one. I, I've okay. worked out. So I've just had a look there. So you had Felice Kafusi, right, who was out part of the year due to either origin or his father, right? Yes. Remus Smith was out. Xavier mm-hmm. Coates was out, right? It was a turnstile down that side for a lot of the year. And so he would have just been being run around on, right, against every other nugget who was getting injured outside him. So he was getting mm. slapped last year because there was no combinations out there. And they, they that's why the storm slips later on in the year. They were just getting scored on down that. Um, the opposition left-hand side was just going straight through them. Yeah, I, that's a, it's an interesting thought because and if you apply that logic to Ben Hunt, Jaden Sewer and Zach Lomax played the whole season last year. So, um, you know, I don't... Like, it's definitely a thought that I'd be interested in. Uh, but... Yeah, no, I just, I, I've never been a big fan of Jerome Hughes from a fantasy perspective, and I got burned in 2021, but every other year about if I've been right. And, you know, even if his, you know, base goes back up by five, six points a game, I'd be inclined to think that the attack's going to go back down and he's going to be a high 40s more than anything, and I, he's a comfortable uh, bust for me. Easy, yep. No, I'm, I'm certainly not looking to start with Jerome Hughes. I'd certainly want to wait to see a consistent improvement from him to get on Mitch. Yep. I, I'm all for that guy. Certainly I'd be going Munster before I went Hughes, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not close. It, it, it actually isn't. And, and you know, when it boils down to, I know that Munster's priced out as far as, you know, he's a bit more expensive, but he's just so much better. And, and you always go with the better guy. If nothing else, Munster, uh, sorry, Hughes almost directly sits uh, directly between where Maddie Burton and Jackson Hastings are price wise, right? You probably take either of those two over uh, Hughes, who's playing second fiddle. Yeah, comfortably. Easy. All right, look, I'm going to quickly rip through. I've got three guys here. They're all basically competing for the same spot, or actually possibly even five players here. So the edge spots, there are two edge spots open at the Storm, which is why we've got to quickly talk about them. So we've got Eli Katoa. Uh, we've got Trent Leero. Uh, we have uh, Tarek Sims, Joe Chan, and we even have Nelson Asafa Solomona, right? Who actually played a few games out wide last year. So the reason why we're talking about all of these is because there are two edges up for grabs. Look, I've got probably Tarek Sims as one edge here, and I've got him as a bust. Simply due to the fact that if you look at his last few years, he's there's around 35 to 45 points we're seeing as average for an edge forward at the Storm. And Sims starts at 44, which, look, Fan hub screwed with his pricing. He had a 36.8 average in 2023, but they adjusted him to a 44. So, look, he's a bust, guys. I, I can't say much more about that. They've just made him unviable as a choice. Any disagreement on that? No. No. Sweet. Uh, look, let's go through the guys with a little bit more interest. Uh, Eli Katoa. Uh, I know Mark's pretty high on him. And look, he was one of those breakout 2020 stars. He struggled with injuries and game time, but he was at the Warriors, who have been pretty bad. So the good news is that he does run a very good line and will have some good halves to work with if he takes a spot. And he averages 45.5 in games over 50 minutes in the average Warriors squad. 
and a huge 39.7 of those is in base stats. So I can expect at least that with Katoa. Um, so, and probably somewhere between eight to 10 points worth of attacking stats there. So we're talking about like around 45 up to like high 40s. I, we got a projection for there. The only downside with him is that uh, I guess the attacking side isn't huge. He, he won't necessarily get Angus Crichton points, but look, high 40s, break even a 31 at 448k. That's a buy, guys. Like, any disagreement on that? No, absolutely not. No, I, I'm I'm super high on him. I definitely, you know, I was one of the first in on Isaiah Papali'i when he was coming off the bench for the Eels when he moved over. And, and yeah, Katoa gives me massive vibes of that. You even have to just look at his four games that he played last year on the edge 59 and 73 minutes against the dragons and 50 and 73 against the panthers uh with the two tries but i mean he's going to be running off jerome hughes more than likely out on that right edge uh and um yeah lo- lots of optimism for uh for a, a big year and and a borderline keeper season for guitar nice. and he's gone from the warriors to the storm. So one of the, you know, Great. Nathan Brown, the greatest coach in the NRL, to the storm, Craig Bailey won the worst. Ha ha. It's like, that's not a like for like comparison, really. No. And the halves that he'll be working with. It's just, uh, I, um, yeah, I got burned last year for getting on Ellie Katoa when I got off. Uh, Bay Fermor. Bay Fermor. But this year I will get on Ellie Katoa from round one and it will be fine. <laughs> just got to pick and stick, mate. Uh, and look, the other guy is who could take that spot. So we got Trent Liero, who's possibly the next man up. He's 21 years old. So he's another young gun out there who's uh, been playing a bit of middle. If he does get that edge roll, uh, he is, he's got a real good line running. He loves a tackle. And he's also got 45.2 in the uh, on an edge spot. Now, that he did get a 74 against the Titans, but it shows you that he can get an attacking game into... His pricing is also great. So if he wins over Katawa, uh, I'd get on him. It's 10 to 15 points worth of value. It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, and the last guy is Joe Chan, who some people have been high on here, again, for, for an edge spot. He's at 250K, 17 break even. Look, there's 35 to 45 points. You get on Joe Chan. Any disagreement with any of that? No. No. So pretty much here, it's get on. If uh, any of Eli Katoa, Trent Liguero, or Joe Chan, if they're on the edge at the Storm. And we've just got to work out who it is because Bellamy doesn't let people know, right? I think he has spies to let him know who's who's back channeling. <laughs> I don't know. Because I hear very little chatter from that team. I don't know about you guys. Nah, they probably don't even know. Nah, that's true. And look, the last guy, bit of an interesting one, Nelson Asafa Solomona. So he's been a mainstay at the Storm. Uh, number of players leaving he finds himself near the top of the pecking order. And the reason he's interested in him is because he started three games on the edge in the back end of 2022. And he averaged 63.3 points in 61.6 minutes. And against the Panthers, the Broncos, who weren't great, but they were still okay out that side of the field, and the Roosters and their packs. So, And those are close to keeper numbers. So, look, the sample size isn't high. He looked good on the edge. And look, there are 10 points worth of value there, possibly. Like, you know, you can project him in 50s if he was out there for sort of 55 to 65 minutes a game. 
Uh, and look, if he if we knew that he was standing on the edge, I would actually have him over Pangai Gilbert and Elliot at that point. So oh, is- if yeah, if he's a sixty five plus minute or sixty five minute edge, he'd be like he'd be up there with Isaiah Papali'i. Yeah, he's he's just got that. The issue is, I'm not sure whether he gets there because if he, he's the front row, seems to be where there seems you know a bit lacking as well. So yep. I reckon he'll probably pay either prop or come on off the bench some games, and unfortunately he that's where his pricing is right. He's priced at yeah. forty for breaking even forty. Mark. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, if if he even if he started on the edge, and then moved to the middle and he played like fifty five sixty minutes all up, he'd probably be a keeper. Hmm. But um, we've never seen Craig Bellamy do that. So no. Though they've had that big turnover, so that's why I got Chuck a star for Nelson. Because yep. really, you don't want to start with him unless they guarantee you, like, you know, someone comes in and says, he's the starting edge, right? It's a permanent move. He's been trained there all preseason, blah, blah, blah. At that point, I would get on. Because if nothing else, it'll be DPP at that point too, round one. And I'd have him over Pangai in a second. Mitch? Uh, absolutely. Yep, that, that all sounds pretty good to me. But at this point, you, you couldn't touch him, right? No. That's it. He's definitely chuck a star, but watch and see. And that's what I pretty much have for all these guys is that any of Eli Katoa, Trent Liero, Nelson Sofa Solomona, even though he's in a different price bracket, 600 grand, and Joe Chan are all buys. But not all of them will be buys. Just I, just think, I, I just think with Sofa Solomono, I just don't see him getting the minutes week to week. It's just that whole load thing. right? I would be very, very surprised if he did punch out those minutes with all those other guys. Um, nipping at the heels. It just doesn't feel like the, the meta, as I was alluding to before, of, of rugby league at the moment. But we'll see. Chuck a star in him because if he gets the minutes, he's worth it. That's it. Yeah, the way he put a number on kick out, I was very surprised by. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the last guy, Remus Smith, 372k, 26 break even. So he's returned from that pec injury. So the plus side is that the Storm will put on plenty of points. They've got a pretty soft early season. The downside is, look, his scoring has been patchy. Look, I look, he's at the right center. Uh, the Storm score a lot less down the right than the left, where obviously got Munster. Uh, and he only averaged 28 in games where he played over 50 minutes. Uh, I don't know, guys. Look, Remus Smith looks okay, but I'm just, I'm trying to find where he really breaks into that next tier of centers, you know, moves towards a high 30s average. I can't find it. Can you guys see any value in Remus Smith? Not coming off that pec injury, I can't. I mean, I said before it wouldn't hurt his scoring, but he's not exploding out of the blocks. He's not. He's not in my starting team. Fair enough. Mark? Maybe, maybe maybe you could chuck a star. Maybe. Oh, fair enough. Uh, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you look at his twenty twenty one average in the centres. It was thirty three point three. Yep. Uh, so that's. I think that's where people have found the value. Uh, and I mean, you look. If you only look at his games where he played the full game or close to it, yeah, he dropped from 33 down to 28 in 2022. I mean, he's currently yeah, coming he in. He wasn't at... busted either. No, no, he's just, you know, I just think he's a bit shaky. Um, particularly when you got him up against a guy like Hammer, you know, this is where a lot of people are looking at Antipody and going to Remus Smith instead of Hammer. But, you know, the upside for Remus Smith is what, like 40, like, you know, week to week. You know, whereas, you know, Hamaso scored 42 points in 14 minutes off the bench. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I seem to think that he's probably going to fall into the category of players that was relevant for a small time for one year and is never relevant ever again. Um, it is important to note in those six games where he averaged 28 that he didn't score a try at all, which is unusual for a center. Usually you'd see one to two tries in that sample. So, you know, if you look at 2021 where his average tries per game on a 40, uh, 40% try rate was about six and a half points a game, you know, you add that and you get back to that 30 334, which, you know, would make him a buy, but not a very good one. No, make, makes sense. So, fair enough, just keep an eye on Raymond Smith, but probably don't start with him in your starting team unless you're absolutely hurting. Yeah, I think you guys don't really have a category for guys like uh, like him, because he's not really spicy. He's more like when you go to, to dinner and someone tells you that it's spicy, but then you got like Nando's, you know, lemongrass and garlic. <laughs> That's not spicy. That's not spicy at all. It's nah, just like the bland, most boring version bland. of the blandest thing you can come up with. That's Raymond Smith. Yeah, just avoid. No, gotcha, mate. I, I figure if I come up with too many categories, mate, I'll just be making promos every day. It makes me sad. Yeah, the no, podcast no. goes long enough as it is, Mark. Don't give Stuart <laughs> yeah. more ideas. No, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of going for a long time, I think we've cracked every single player at the Storm. There was plenty of look at there because they got a lot of team turnover. But let's go to ladder. Uh, Mark, we, we we did miss a, a highly relevant one. Oh, who do we miss? Harry Grant. Oh, damn, we did too. Okay, let, let's quickly jam through Harry Grant because you're yeah. right. He, he's he's number two price hooker, probably second best hooker rolling around at the moment. So, what are we looking at? Yeah, so obviously with the departure of Brandon Smith, not that he needed any more job security, but he's got it now. Uh, he'll be playing that role where he plays eighty minutes every week, unless the Storm are towling people up, and then Wishart will play ten fifteen minutes. Uh, he does have the benefit of Queensland running that Ben Hunt, Harry Grant, state of origin combination, which has worked really well for the last couple of years and seen us dispatch of New South Wales comfortably. So <laughs> he shouldn't get too tired over the origin period. So he should be right to keep plugging away and, and smashing up for the storm. Uh, he also only misses one regular round of like head to head being round. I think it's nine mm-hmm. uh, by. So, that means that he's available for every other round for head-to-head players, including the entire final series. You know, I know, you know, it, the Storm players typically get rested, but you know, I mean, he's only playing 50 minutes a game in Origin, so um, yeah, he's a he's one like I'm looking to to try pick up probably after that round nine buy if I can. Nice, uh, yeah, certainly he's he's been a gun for a few years now. So I started off last year with Harry Grant and I had a whole bunch of villas. You know how he. He was suspended round one, then he got COVID, had a yep. couple of average games. But look, I I just planted him there all year. He ended up doing pretty well overall. Yeah, I think he made about five points value and stayed in your team all year or should have. So now he was a he was a fantasy weapon. It stands up even when you look at his scoring in the West Tigers system. He actually uh actually his base was nine points higher playing for the West Tigers than what it was last year for the Storm. So there is actually some upside there in terms of um, uh, potentially if the storm is slightly worse, making a couple of extra tackles or uh, you know that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's uh. If the Cowboys yeah, don't give up, uh, so not the Cowboys. If the Warriors don't give up seventy point games, you mean? Well, is that? <laughs> Mate, those were shockers. Anyway, uh, I took people to the pub to watch those, and I felt felt like giving them refunds for the beer. Anyway, moving on. Uh, 
Look, I, I definitely like uh, Harry Grant. I will be on him at some point because I think Cookie, unfortunately, is just too high price. I, and I'm not sure that he comes down much this year either. Not to mention he misses the head-to-head grand final. Yes, that's it. Unless unless you're like me and you play hardcore, man. Round 27 has to be a head-to-head final if you're a true man. Play chaos. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then work out whether you've got five players or 17 to play with. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, look. let's look at the ladder real quick as we wrap this one up. Uh, so, Mitch, where do you have the uh, Storm finishing with? I got him in sixth. Mark? I don't think they'll be, I don't think they'll be juggernaut. No? Oh, well, f- fair enough. Mark? Yeah, they were fifth last year. I'm slightly slightly worse this year, so sixth is the same for me. Yeah, look, I, I've got them at fourth. I think they I think they struggled. Like, they just had so many injuries last year. Like, Mitch, I think, spent about a third of this podcast just talking about their injuries, right? So I think that, look, they've lost some guys, but I reckon they'll, they'll be back in. And that early run, if they end up 9-2 and two after the first uh, up to origin, they'll be hard to shift out of the four. Uh, but we'll see, that's a, Mitch. That's a fair point, mate. That's a very fair point. I just I just have a couple of question marks over two key players, Welch and, uh, and Pappenhausen. I think they'll be off to a slightly slower start than we think, but I could be wrong. Ah, oh, fair enough. We'll, we'll we'll certainly see, especially with Paps. Yeah, he he could certainly be in a lot of trouble there. Okay, guys. Well, look. Thank you for your contributions, Mitch, and for Mark for joining us as well. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone at home for listening. This is the Boom or Bust preseason number two podcast signing out. Thanks for listening to the Boom or Bust podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.